Well, good evening to all Hawkeye fans across the internet here on this uh, Wednesday evening. A bye week does not stop us here at From the Hawkeye of the Storm. It's another edition of Hawkeye Hangout featuring you, the caller, you, the listener, you, the chatter, you, the Hawkeye fan. And uh, we had a pretty <laughs> interesting pre- uh, trio of press conferences today involving Iowa's three coordinators um, two of which were very impressive, one of which underwhelmed, which was not necessarily a surprise. Um, I mentioned uh, during a segment that I posted earlier um, this evening to the channel that, um, look, the, the, these two guys they have on defense and special teams, and I'm talking, of course, about LeVar Woods and Phil Parker, are not only class acts, but these guys know how to coach football. Uh, I know I'm stating the obvious there, but... Um, there was a bit of a, a funny moment at the end of the the Phil Parker. Uh, it takes me if if you know who if you know me at all, you know it. It takes me a while, or it takes a, quite a bit to get me to laugh out loud. Like that's just not who I am. Like I may chuckle at something, but uh, I'm not a ha ha type person. <laughs> Phil Phil got me to laugh today. Um, I love Phil Parker. That guy, um, great at what he does, and uh, boy. Would uh, would love for him to take over when Kirk hangs it up. Would love if Phil will, would take it over. I don't know if he will or if he'll want to continue uh, into his 60s. I'm not sure. And it depends, of course, on how long Kirk Ferentz remains at Iowa. And that may uh, be dictated by what happens with the Brian situation, too, which, of course, we can talk about. But uh, appreciate everybody being here. We're going to talk about the Brian Ferentz situation. If you missed my reaction to... Brian Ferentz's comment about Alex Padilla posted a video here a few hours ago on the channel. You can certainly check that out. Um, Maybe when this live stream is over, Uh, I'm happy to talk about it more. Um, I'm not going to play it again because again, I I think we've all seen it by now. If you're on YouTube, I'd hope that you'd seen it, but if you didn't, you can certainly check out that video I posted earlier today. I did include the snippet of Brian and his response to the question about Alex Padilla. Um, But really my point in all this is, uh, AI doesn't know how to take care of PR, regardless of what Brian Ferentz's intentions were with that comment. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to buy into the idea that he didn't see the question coming. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I think he knew that question was coming. And basically, uh, I think he fielded three or four questions about the quarterback position, and rightfully so. But it was a, it was a fair question by Chad Leistico. I wish that someone had followed up and said, and actually had given Brian the actual legitimate reason to believe there is an upside to playing a backup quarterback. I don't care if it's Alex Padilla or Joey Labus. It's the potential that perhaps somebody plays better in a game than they are in practice. That's not a hard concept to understand. We've talked about that for the better part of a year now. Okay, We've been doing this that long. All right, this show I know hasn't been around for a year, but I've been talking with Mark Rogers over at Iowa Football at the Voice of College Football for a year, and that's been part of what we've discussed is the idea of a gamer. And yes, I know Alex Padilla came in last year, struggled to some extent, but the offense seemed to be a bit more productive. I mean, the numbers would say it was. Northwestern, Minnesota, Northwestern, they put up on 27 points or 22 points, something like that. But they scored like somewhere in the 30s against Minnesota last year with Padilla as the starter. And yes, I know he struggled first half against Nebraska. Whoop-de-doo. You look at the numbers, 
yes, his completion percentage was lower than Spencer's, but he brings mobility. Um, and uh, the drop rate, I know people joke around about how you can't include a conversation about Alex Padilla without including the drop rate. Well, that's frankly true until we see him again. And we may never see him again after those comments today from Brian. But um, until we see him again, um, I don't know how you can't include the drop rate because I remember just just my memory, and you can go back and look at the numbers, but my memory I think serves me well on this issue. And um, it tells me that it reminds me that, yes, there were a lot of drops by some of Iowa's better receivers, including Nico Regani, including Keegan Johnson. And, uh, you know, Alex Padilla, I think there's some substance to say that perhaps he doesn't throw as catchable of a ball. But uh, boy, with uh, where we're at with the quarterback situation now, I don't know that I don't know how you can not be more catchable than three feet over your head or into the dust, into the ground, into the dirt. Uh, and I'm not trying to be hard on Spencer Petrus. How many times do I got to say that? But the fact of the matter is, this falls on Brian. This falls on Kirk. Um, but that's the whole theme of this show. You probably saw the title as you came in. Who takes ownership? Because that's the question. Now, one thing I have to do because I know people are going to say they don't have the link, and it does say link in description below. So let me take care of that uh, briefly here. I apologize for not doing it in advance. Um, you may what you may have to do is go out and then and then rejoin. I don't know if it'll update. Uh, I'm going to add the link here at the top of the description so that people can call in. Of course. Um, as always, you can call in by StreamYard. I did just add it to the description of this stream here on YouTube. If you don't see it, you go down in the description, it's not there. Just leave the video, exit out of the video, and then come right back, and it should be there as you reload the page. That's my fault for not having that uh, not having that ready, but it should be there now. So uh, what I'll also do is I will paste. I'll add it to the chat. How does that sound? Um, so if it's not, uh, if you don't see it in the description and it's too hard to uh, follow these uh, these directives, we can uh, post it to the chat. All right, I think we have somebody on our phone line here to start things out. And we, I know we've been having problems with the phone line. I tried to get this resolved. Let's see if we've got our first caller. Can you hear me, sir? Lomansky on the phone, Corey. Lomansky, and you're coming in loud and clear. I think you're coming in loud and clear to everybody. It's good to hear from you, sir. Well, you're loud and clear also, so thanks for fixing that. Um, do you know anything more about, do we ever get the coach that got the the penalty or warning on the Illinois sideline? Do we ever get to the bottom of that? No. I'll tell you, you know, I, I, uh, I'm never going to sit here on the air and take shots at Iowa media members because I know, you know, most of them are, if not all of them, are hard workers, I'm sure. I don't know. I, I can do that for you. Let me do it if you want me to. Well, I'm just disappointed. Continue. All I'll say, I'm, and listen, it's easy for me to sit back here. I wasn't at the press conference today as much as I would have liked to have been. I'm disappointed that that question wasn't brought up. I don't know what would have been wrong with asking me that too. question. So me I'm disappointed. too. I'm disappointed that that wasn't brought up. Um, I'm disappointed that nobody asked Brian about what he was laughing at at the end of the game. I know some people thought I blew that out of, or we blew that out of proportion, but I think it was a worthwhile question to ask. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the, the criticism there, Lemansky. Well, I've I apologize for not looking at your at your uh, material today. I I've listened to this assistant coach thing uh, 
two times and was on the way to a third. And I bring up that penalty thing and I'm looking for my notes. And there's a section of the question answer. And I'll get some positive stuff eventually, but my, my, my blood pressure's up. And the, Brian was re- talking about, I think about how to improve. And he talked, here it is, I found it. Uh, he was asked, he was asked about, uh, excuse me here. He listed some things that we could be done better. And the second thing he talked about, first he talked about eliminating, eliminating negative plays, which you've done a good job of, you know, plays that sacks and play, plays end up negative two. Then you've got second long, third long. Here's the second thing he talked about. He talked about penalties. He talked about four weeks were good at penalties. The last two weeks, we weren't good at penalties and we have critical penalties. I think if Corey Bratta or Lomansky was in there, what a great time to follow up because he brought it up. The coaches yeah. are getting a penalty against Illinois. Let's That's let's fine. own that, Corey. Let's own that as a coach. I sure as hell would. What's weird about that is is the Lemansky, What's weird about that is those penalty. I don't know the rule. I got In fact, I asked Don Patterson the same question. If you recall, we talked about this after the game on Saturday. But Iowa did not receive. Really, they weren't punished for the second unsportsmanlike conduct. So you had two unsportsmanlike conducts that play. One on Luke Lachey, which was bogus, ridiculous call on Luke Lachey, and then one on the coach which apparently cancels out. So two penalties for Iowa, two unsportsmanlike penalties for Iowa cancels out one for Illinois. I thought that was odd, but I'm not a rules expert, but you're, no, you're right. That was a, I don't know why that wasn't asked. I know there were a million other questions people wanted to ask Brian, but we kind of seemed to rehash the same things over and over again. But uh, yeah, it certainly would have been valid. To give them their due, they did tie, They did dive into the quarterback situation. I was proud of the media for doing that. How could you? Well, no, let's not uh, be proud of that. What's there, what's there to be proud of with that, Lemansky? I mean, what else are you? Can you imagine them not bringing up the quarterback position? I mean, well, I respect your comment. I learned something from Brian's reaction to that and talking about that. There's in the, in your, in the response to the assistant coaches, uh, presser, and there's a guy by the name of, I apologize for not remember his first name, but it's a METZ is the gentleman's name, the man that made the comment to the assistant coaches. I read every one of them. And here's what he says at the end. And it really hit home to me as being as the high school athlete with average talent. He said, imagine yourself in the quarterback room hearing that you were never thrown how do i say it you were never thrown a bone yeah we could get a package in for xyz backup quarterback uh he's got talent doing this on a certain you know just like 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 the other two assistant coaches did that today you agree Corey? they did that to certain backup players but the guy in the scout team that was that was lavar wasn't it yeah, they were talking about, about uh, the guy. Go ahead. Louis, yeah, they were talking about they were talking about Louis Steck, who is uh, working in on uh, 
kickoff returns, I believe. Uh, and then, yeah, who was the guy they were? T- oh, they were talking about Devin Hilson on scout team. Yeah. And, and how they had to move him from scout team up one more level. He was doing such a job at, job at challenging the people that, uh, you know, what do you call it, on the, on the backup list. If they moved him up, he's doing such a good job. And, you know, that was that was – that was motivating your players. You've got to be thinking about your players like they're, they're your children. And, and so when they talked, this gentleman on the chat responding to the assistant coaches, he says, imagine you're in the quarterback room and you just heard Brian talk today and you can't help the, the worst offense in college football be better. I thought of Deuce Hogan. When I read that, Corey Deuce Hogan popped in my head so freaking fast. It was amazing. It just instantly, my brain thought of Deuce Hogan. So let me just say this, Lomansky, because you, you, again, you didn't see my take on this earlier, but I want to expound on what I said earlier a bit, and I'm not defending Brian Ferentz. People probably, if you listen to my channel, you know, I made it very clear how, where I stand on Brian Ferentz and the experiment there at, at offensive coordinator. But let me just throw out a possibility of what he meant, not excusing it, but what he meant, Lemansky, because as I listened to that a second time, it made me pause, and I could be wrong, and he may have tried to cover his tracks after he realized he made another gaffe, but uh, could he have meant what's the upside as in we don't know because we haven't seen it? You know, it's unknown. We know what we have with because he kind of said that afterwards. We know what we have with Spencer. We don't know what we have with Padilla. Now that doesn't to me. It's it's still a dumb comment to make because it's clear how everyone would have taken that. How everyone did take it. In fact, I've seen column you know people in the Iowa media who have already written about that quote. But you, you see what you see what I'm saying. I'm not trying to defend him, but could he have been saying instead of saying uh, implying that there isn't an upside with Alex Padilla? or that it's silly to think there's an upside with Alex Padilla, that it's just simply unknown. Do you get what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying, but I'm going to segue into the three different coaches, their communication ability, and you know everybody that that's, that practices Iowa football, they listen to this thing. You'd have to be fool not to. Do you agree with that? Listen to what? The, the assistant coach is getting interviewed. In today's world, technology and podcast, most of the the team would listen to those. Wouldn't you agree, Corey? Well, I don't know if they're sitting there listening to them, but there's no way to avoid it if you're on any form of social media now because people are immediately tweeting about it. So let's let's go back to my next major thing. And you can cut me off and go on to somebody else anytime you want. You can do that with me anytime. But the University of Iowa is very famous for its children's hospital. It's also very famous for a thing called Writer's Workshop. Are the greatest writers in the United States take a summer and learn how to write better. Now, that particular educational part of the University of Iowa, because I went there, permeates into your freshman classes. You take a lot of writing courses, reading courses. My TA ended up writing a novel that was published by the name of Kevin Destinger. Learned so much from him as a person not just scholastically. When I listen to those three assistant coaches and I wrote down how many minutes they talk, on and on. He's got another three minutes. I wrote, I timed them, went back and timed all these. LeVar and our defensive coordinator 
Most of them are a minute, a minute and 15. Corey, I want your, how you, how you reacted to listening to all that because Brian was first, LeVar was second, and then Parker was third. I focused so easily on two of the three. When I listened to Brian Ferentz, and I've told this to you before, I just don't think he's a good communicator. I can't, I can't even stay focused on what he's really talking about sometimes. Sometimes I can. The best one was like a five-second response where he, he said no about uh, is Labus closing the gap, and it was uh, 11 seconds. No, that was probably his best reaction of the night, trying to be funny. But uh, I can just sit there, imagine, you know, you're a teacher, what did what did what did two out of three assistant coaches do right away? What was the difference of their opening remarks? And it's a tough question, Corey, but tell me what the difference was. What did two of the three do that Brian didn't do right away? Boy, I don't remember. I watched that. I watched okay. the other two. I, I really Lemansky. I watched it. Uh, I I watched it once, and um, I was more. I, I more than anything, I just took away how great of communicators like you did how great of communicators and and uh how much those two guys at the end know about football not that brian doesn't but i agree with you they're much easier to listen to did you well say it again did you learn anything about football listening to all three of them listen was- learn something about football you didn't know before well it's not like it's not like they're talking x's and o's um and, well, and to me, they, to me, they were because Lavar was talking about the value of the long snapper, which nobody talks sure. about. I knew about that, but he talked about compare that to NFL, how good they are, and you know Parker talking about. Here is what I learned: looking for perfection, and of course, you are never going to reach it, but at least you might approach being excellent. At least you won't be running around the field being average. Wow. That's powerful to me just as a communicator. What those, what Brian, what the two guys did right away, they talked about what beautiful weather we had. Parker got his honeydew list done. Bet you guys glad you got a Saturday off. You can get something done. LeVar comes in and talks about what a beautiful day, the changing of the, t- he, he connected with his audience. He, he thought about them and he connected on something non-football and brought them in on a different, in a different way. That's being a teacher. Even that that little point I'm making, Corey, that's part of being a teacher. Yeah. Brian, Brian didn't do that. He's, he's not thinking about the other guy. And then you better be able to communicate the other guy. And, if, and, and I, you don't have to grade me as a communicator because I know I got a long ways to go and I'm at the end of my career, but but at least I know I'm not good at it and I'll, I'll be got to get better at it, but I won't go down the list of some of that, that, that stuff about, I think he contradicted himself one time about change for change sake. I, he, man, I, I thought I'd been drinking uh, tequila. He he was talking about change for change sake and two sides of the same sword. And, and I, you know, we made a change at the end of 2014 and, what do you think of that? My comments on that, Corey. 
Yeah, I mean, again, Brian has never captivated a person's, at least he has never captivated my attention. Who was it in the media that did a six-hour interview with Brian and, and the... Uh, was that Scott Doctorman? I don't remember who that was, but six hours. I cannot imagine sitting down <laughs> sitting down with, with him for six hours. And again, I have nothing against him as a person, but I, I agree. I, I just would have a hard time doing that probably with anybody. But you're right. Uh, I think even though I mentioned earlier on my show today that I, I think Brian seemed less nervous than I expected, there's got to be a lot of anxiety going there and facing the media given the circumstances of Lemansky. So I don't want to excuse uh, his, uh, what's the word, filibustering, right? That's the term that he used actually earlier this year. But I I think there is an aspect to when there's anxiety and stress behind his words uh, that you're maybe not as much substance as you'd like. I, 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 I really... I don't see how he can be a good teacher. Just the minimal stuff that I watch and see. And I remember one time at my job, I'm talking about this, this penalty flag on the, you know, if I, if I knew that was being asked in the public and I did it and I did this in my job, my first five years in a finance job and I screwed up pretty major. And I went right into the president's office and I said, I want you to know something I screwed up and I learned this from my father and you're not going to hear it from somebody else. I screwed up. And he said, well, the error was for our customer, and it's against policy. The main thing here is we don't make the same mistake twice. Uh, put a smile on your face and go back to work. I'd run through a wall for my boss there. And if he did do it, which I think is very possible, I think very highly of, it, highly of him if he owned it. Because there's some other things in his past about his temperament that I won't recite, but he's got a history of, of, you know, he likes to act like he owns it, but, uh, yeah, then I'll close with this Corey and, and shut up. Cause I want the chat to be good tonight. Uh, I think it just left my brain. Uh, mm, blood pressure's too high. <laughs> Get the blood pressure. I, I just, get the blood pressure back down and share it with us in the chat if you need to, Lemansky. I'll, I'll do that. I just, I just, I think he owns some of this stuff about um, a bad, a, a bad play call where they got delay of game towards the end of the game. Oh, I know what it was. I got to tell you. At least he owned that. But let's own some major stuff. You know? Yeah, I have a temperamental problem. He doesn't have to say it, but say. Yeah, that was on me. I made a mistake. I'm so frustrated with my office offense. I want us to improve. I think highly of him, Corey. I would think highly of him for coming, coming forward and, and taking the uh, uh, pressure off that question to other co- coaches that, that he works with. Uh, I think a lot higher of him. But uh, I'll, 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 I'll put something in the chat for you. And you can move on. But uh, I appreciate. I appreciate. Call, but, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming out on your view of of the office uh, offensive coordinator position and where where Iowa. Oh, and I'll close with this. He talked about I was born in the hospital. I play football here. I've been a coach for sixteen years. You, yeah. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that too. Out of that. 
You, you tell me what you took out of that baby enough, and I'll tell you what I took out of it. I took out of it that he, he I don't want to say he's playing the sympathy card, but he's acknowledging how much he loves Iowa football. And I think he that that's probably genuine. I mean, he, he has been. I mean, remember when he was when Kirk was given the job, when he was hired, Brian was, I think, a high schooler, right? He was a young guy. He was a big guy. He was playing high school football. Yep. Yeah. So right. I have no doubt that he's being genuine there, but it, it didn't give me any reason to feel sorry for him. You don't feel sorry for the guy. He's a grown man. I think at that point in time, we know his history. And it's almost like he's trying to prove he's not entitled. There are some Iowa fans that say that's psychologically telling he is entitled. He's given enough that he deserves more time. I'll hang up and enjoy the show. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Lemansky. Appreciate it. And I've heard people say that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not a new thought. Um, I, I'm no psychologist, but uh, I have heard people who. Uh, have kind of given similar view, viewpoints of not just Brian, but when people say things and they view it as compensation, but certainly I know no position to comment on that, I guess. Uh, let's get to Will, who's been on hold. Will, how you doing this evening? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. You know, actually, I'm kind of excited for this bye week. We've got uh, some good programming announcements. Actually, I'm going to be making a pretty big announcement here later in this show, um, and then uh, we'll be – We'll have some good programming here coming up for the bye week. So I'm excited to kind of have a, a, a brief break before we head into the uh, tail end of the season. And then, of course, basketball, uh, well, at the end of this month, their exhibition game. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to basketball at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, to your first caller, though, and, and to your question with regards to um, the assistant coach who got the penalty. So I believe it was Kennington Smith. I could be wrong on that, but I believe it was Kennington from Des Moines Register who asked Kirk in the post-game press conference against Illinois, at Illinois, um, who it was. And Kirk said, watch the film. I mean, he was he was condescending. He said, watch the film. Um, mm-hmm. And I was there. I was at Illinois uh, this weekend, and I was at the 50-yard line, and it was right in front of us, and okay. it was Brian. It was Brian. He was mad because he thought it was a helmet to helmet. And obviously Spencer gets up holding his head. Brian gets in the ref's face. The flag comes out. So it was Brian. But again, like the first caller said, where's the accountability? I mean, what? why do I need to hide that? Can you expound on that a little bit, uh, Will, as far as he got in the ref's face? Can you, I mean, was he... Uh, he looked, I mean, he, he, I, I couldn't hear anything. I was 24 rows up. That uh, Illinois is not as close to the to the uh, sidelines as obviously Kinnick is. Um, you see, obviously, a lot of commotion on the sideline when that hit happens. You know, defense, offensive guys, they're all looking. You know, there's there's a big kind of kerfuffle there. But he's super demonstrative. He's up on that side judge's face, and that judge, or that side judge, just just drops a flag there. What was said, no idea. Um, you know, I'm assuming he's upset, thinking that that's a targeting call, and uh, you know, his players not being protected. And I can understand that. But again, own it. You know, own it. Be held accountable. But you know, Brian can never be wrong, and Brian can never be held accountable. You know, if that was the, you know, assistant towel boy, I'm sure Kirk would have been like, yeah, that was our, you know, this was this guy down here. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk to him about it. That won't happen again. That's a that's a you know mental coaching error. But you know, you, you talk about the players, you know, the, the holdings and the stuff like that. They get numbers, they get names out there, but 
the coach makes a makes a mistake and and they're not held accountable. Well, I mean, what are we doing here? And I think that's where a, a big breakdown in the Iowa, uh, you know, coordinating and 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 coaching, especially Brian's side of it, falls because there is no accountability. And it's just kind of just like the press conference today. You just kind of shrug everything off and say, yeah, it's not a big deal. You know, my biggest thing that came out of that, though, is that Alex will never play a snap, never play a snap. I mean, Petrus has to, is going to have to be almost unconscious. I don't want any of that, obviously, but he's going to have to be so hurt that he can't even walk or, or think or do anything because Petrus is down there holding his head. And I don't know what they're showing on the TV, but I'm, I'm there. So I see Petrus holding his head. And... They don't even evaluate him. They don't even come over to him. The refs have a little chat. They review the play, and everything's hunky-dory. He's back out there. Wouldn't you think, especially with all the concussion protocol, that you might want to take a peek at him and evaluate, see how he's doing, make sure everything's good to go, even give Alex one play just to kind of get Spencer's bearing straight and his bell unrung type of thing? I mean, that was that was a big tell for me. I, I couldn't believe that that he was back out there that next snap. Well, the the that's a good question because Spencer did say after the game that he was evaluated. But correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I have a bad memory with these things. Uh, that was not uh, the hit was not on third down, correct? I mean, we had to replay the down because the, the um didn't they replay the down or no? It was a, it was a dead ball foul. So it was dead ball. It was after the fact. So he gets the first right. down, then penalty, 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 all offset. Nothing really happened. So first down. Right. So so they had the so he came right back out for the next play. It's not like he came in for the next drive. He came in for the no. next play. Yeah, correct? he was out there, yeah, in the huddle ready to go. And again, yeah. if he just took a glancing blow and he's just kind of, you know, playing it up a little bit, I mean I can understand that too. But the optics again don't look great when somebody's holding your their head. Look at Tua, you know, when you talk about the NFL and some of these other things and, and concussion and head protocol has been a big, big deal in football over the last, you know, five, ten years because it because it is a big deal. So him, you know, sitting out there, you know, almost looking kind of dazed, but you know, saying he's fine. You know, I I was looking at Petrus. I was watching the replay of, you know, their unsportsmanlike uh, penalties and offsetting stuff. But I I didn't really ever see a trainer go up there other than give him a squirt of water, you know, and maybe a hey, are you okay type of thing, and then go from there. Well, I I I'd hate to question. I'm not saying you're doing that. I hate to question. I was. Uh desire to keep its players safety or safe and and I would hate to think that that anybody would pick pride over proper concussion evaluation all I can say is as you saw well they did Petrus said he was evaluated but you were at the game and you're saying I mean I think how to what extent was he evaluated that's a proper a fine question I did see when, when it initially happened on the TV film well and have you seen the film back the hit on TV. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it, it wasn't helmet to helmet, and and again, I, if yeah. he's playing up for a little bit, you know, he gives a shoulder to to midsection, a little high at midsection. Is it possible? I think it's very possible. I'm not saying this happened, but it's very possible that the trainer came out and looked at him for five seconds, and Spencer said he didn't get me in the helmet. You know, yeah, and that was it. One hundred percent. But again, it's opt- optics wise. You know, he's holding his head. You know, it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah. It doesn't look great when he's out there that next play. So that that's kind of my point on that. But um, you know, moving on from from the the um, from the hit and 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 Brian's thing, um, the big thing that, that you know I didn't talk about a little bit is you know sitting there on Iowa side, you know, twenty four rows up in Champagne, and I. I- 
name names, but watching it with my own eyes, man, you see starting players on defense, you know, uh, be dejected. They're exasperated by the performance of the offense, helmets being ripped off the bench, hands in the air, like, what are we doing here? You know, you see that big head. There are defensive players' hands in the air after a, a gaffe on offense. Oh, yeah. You know, first going backwards on first and second down uh, at the five. Uh, I'm again, I'm not going to name names, but I saw hands kind of that half kind of like questioning, you know, what's going on here? You know, raising your hands up like what? what, And looking at each other and then turning right around, going back to the bench, grabbing their helmet, knowing full well that, you know, they're going right back on the field. And I you know I, I can't blame them one bit um, because I was doing the same and probably much more. And I, I feel bad for them because the you know, defense goes out there week in and week out and has to drag our lifeless offensive corpse around the field for four quarters. And, you know, the only way to get these guys a break has been Brian telling the offense to bleed, you know, the entire play clock, which skews time of possession so that these guys can get a breather. Uh, but good defenses know when you're doing that. So they know how to, you know, read the snap uh, and tee off. And I think that's what Coach Patterson was talking about uh, after the game, too, is these guys know how to read the snap because they they not only do they know the cadence, but they know when Spencer's going to going to snap the ball. I mean, it's, it's no rocket science. You see the clock five, four, three, two, one, you know, um, I, you know, I went to school at Iowa during the dark times of the Ferentz era, what I like to call as 2010, 2014, you know, we went four and eight, one of those seasons, not a good time. I've always been a Kirk apologist during that time. I always said he was going to be able to turn it around. Um, right now because of his massive blind blind spot with his son, I just don't believe he can turn it around. And I don't think it's ever going to change as long as he's there, because I don't think he will try to force his son out. You saw today, the confidence that Brian has in himself. And um, I I think it's, I think it's, it's crazy. You know, I think we were, we were all fooled. Uh, You know, the writing was on the wall, big, bold letters. Uh, None of us wanted to accept it, myself included. Um, But we were all led to believe this offense was going to be different. Even after doubling down on themselves and Spencer, Tyrone Tracy, Charlie Jones, they transfer. Uh, that should have been the biggest indicator and red flag that this offense was going to be worse than last year, which is a crazy thought. But, I mean, here we are. Uh, you know, Charlie went through all of spring camp, and he realized how terrible this offense was going to be, and he said, I'm out. You know, Keegan Johnson's nowhere to be found. They say it's a soft tissue injury. I have a hard time believing that. I don't think it's accurate. Personally, I can't blame him because, again, why would you want to be uh, you know, a part of this? And then fast forward today, we hear, I think it was Chad Lestikow asked Brian point blank, why not try something new? You know, why not? And his arrogance is why not? What's the upside? You know, Brian says, what's what's the upside? Well, being 130 out of 131 instead of 131 out of 131. You know, that's the upside. What did you think you could get worse than last? I mean, it, that's not a thing. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, the same way, expecting a different result. Gary and Kirk don't want to hold him accountable. He couldn't care less what the fans and media have to say, and neither does Daddy Dearest. You know, Brian Ferentz is the, in my in my opinion, Brian Ferentz is the poster child for being born on third base and thinking he hit a triple. He has arrogance. He's entitled the way he spoke today to some of the um, presser uh, folks and and the way Kirk did against uh, at, at the end of the Illinois game. Um, you know, I, I hope there's a resounding fire Brian chant from the crowd in the Northwestern game, but I'm not sure how many people are going to show up because those tickets – have gone from seven to eighty dollars to about thirty to twenty-five on on StubHub. I think we're going to lose more recruits. I think we're going to lose uh, the little offensive weapons we have, 
And uh, I think if we have an opportunity, uh, if somebody thinks we have an opportunity to pick up, you know, somebody in the transfer portal, I doubt it. Because why would anybody in their right mind want to come here to this system and this massive distraction that is this nepotism that's just this cloud that's over the program right now? And I know you won't say it, um, but I will. I think Alex Padilla needed to transfer yesterday. Uh, the coaching staff clearly has given him zero support. They'll continue to give him zero support. Brian's comments today don't lead to great things for him. And I hope he goes and, and is great somewhere else, just like Jack Nunji. Hawkeye fans will continue to support him and support his career. But I, I just don't see why he would, you know, he, he would want to stay here. I, I, I get he's a high character guy, so he's probably going to chill to the end of the season. But I can't, I can't see him staying. Well, the only thing I question with Alex Padilla, and this is not because I, you know, anything, anything uh, real concrete. I'm not basing this on hard knowledge here, but I've had one or two interactions with Alex Padilla, interviewed him at Media Day, and uh, of course, I've heard him speak on a number of occasions. Well, I, I do wonder where is his desire to start. Have you wondered that at all? Because he could have left last year. And I mean, when I talked to him, I mean, I, again, he, he could be putting on a persona to the media, but I, I did not get the feeling that he was rearing to start, like just aiming for Spencer's job. And you kind of have to be right. I mean, you're, you're trying to win that job as a quarterback, only one quarterback in play. So now maybe he transfers tomorrow and then it'll, you know, that that'll prove that, Hey, he wants to play start somewhere, but there are some guys who are comfortable being backup quarterbacks. I hope that's not the case here because I can't imagine that that you know would do well for competition in that room. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be dogmatic about that. But that that would be my only question: What is Alex's desire to be the starter? Where is that I, at? I think it'd be. I mean, obviously that's a question for him. But I think I think it, what what I think what what's the biggest tell and the biggest thing if I'm Alex sitting in that quarterback room or on that team and. You know, he goes out and he plays well. He wins games. Let's say that. He, he wins games for us when he, when he starts uh, last year when Spencer was hurt. But I can't imagine he, would, he felt comfortable out there because I, I guarantee you that he felt that any little mistake he makes, he's getting yanked. And imagine if he was given that, that – wide berth that that Petrus has given that you know essentially he can do no wrong and he won't have to worry about losing his job and I think maybe that's where Alex has kind of resigned himself to realizing hey you know these guys think that that Spencer is it and so I just have to kind of do my role and do my job as a backup and you know maybe I get a shot maybe I don't uh you know I know he's got a COVID year too um but you know uh God have mercy on all of our souls if Spencer takes his COVID year. I know he said he's not going to, but they already doubled down on him once. If they triple down on him, like I know they're going to triple down with Brian next year as OC. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I be so sure. About, I really would not be so sure about that, Will. I, I At this point, unless something changes, I, I know that some people are going to laugh at this. I, I don't. I, I have a hard time seeing him coming back next year. I think I Brian wish I had your way out. Well, I just he, know he. I just know that he was looking for a way out this past off season. True. So true. I just don't think there is a way out for him. I think, uh, and it's it's crazy that 
he says his dad isn't, you know, obviously the, the, the question is for his dad to, to fire him when it shouldn't be, it should be Gary because of the nepotism rules in college, but whatever, you know, his dad's not going to fire him. Gary's not going to, to do it either because Kirk doesn't want it. So the only option that I see is that somebody else wants Brian in some other role and he goes to it. He was a tight ends coach at New England and he had Hernandez and Gronkowski as his tight ends. One one year though. I mean, th- th- I think it was let's see, maybe he was there as a tight I'm trying to think figure out how long he actually coached the tight end room. Um but I but can't what I'm saying is like I can't I can't imagine that an NFL team is gonna look at Brian Ferentz and look at his pedigree and look at his tenure at Iowa and say, This is the guy we want for XYZ. No, but he but well he could go back, he could go get it if 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 he's hireable as a tight ends coach or an O line coach, he could Kirk's got enough connections that Brian is hireable for that. He's, I think he's a hireable O-line coach in the NFL. Maybe not. Maybe I'm Maybe. wrong. I, I mean, the again, lawsuit, it, the lawsuit doesn't help. No, and, and I did see something today that uh, Scott Docterman uh, released on Twitter. I haven't looked at it, but uh, it sounds like Iowa has made Brian Ferentz and Iowa have made multiple uh, pleas with um, the judge to dismiss the case, which of course they're going to. I think that's probably yeah. a formality from a legal standpoint, but that's, well, I think that's what, what Scott was saying, yeah, I think what Scott Dockerman was saying was essentially they made multiple attempts to have depositions, and each time the plaintiffs have said that's no, right. we don't do You're it, right. and so now they're saying, okay, well, we've tried to have these depositions, you guys don't want to do them, so let's dismiss the case. And I mean, it's, it's, it's. It's something legally wise that that makes sense. Um, but I think, again, that having that legal case hovering over him is a, a, an issue with him yes, going yes. somewhere else. And I think it's another reason why Kirk has his back, because he has the full support of the university to be able to fight you know, this legal case. Absolutely. No, I agree with a bunch of what you just said. And I have no pr- I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you feel like this is a, a bit of a sounding board to be able to uh, vent your frustrations, because I don't think you're being unreasonable with anything you have to say. And I appreciate, too, the fact that you called yourself a Kirk Ferentz apologist. And that, that's OK. I mean, he's he's earned a lot of the immunity that, he, that he's had over the years. And you're not calling doesn't sound like you're calling for Kirk to be fired, but. You acknowledge that it, there's there's not room for excuses right now, given the situation. Exactly, and I think my biggest thing is if he can't get out of his own way, then we have that. Then we have to have that discussion of. I think it's it's time to hang it up. If he can't if he can't get Brian out of the position that he's in, knowing full well that he's, you know, statistically the worst in the country. There's just there's nothing there's not there's no more apology for that. So. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with that. I think that it's going to be great for Iowa fans to watch uh, good matchups this weekend against some top teams and maybe watch some good offenses. Cause uh, I think, uh, the next Saturday in Columbus is, is going to be rough. Should be interesting at the, as it's to say the least nationally televised on Fox. Appreciate the call. Will. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, the callers are stacking up. So we'll, we'll get to our next caller here. Who's been on hold. Um, James, uh, uh, you're next in line, but, uh, I'm seeing that your device is not connected, so I can't add you to the call. So fix the device thing. Oh, now we got, I think we got him now. James, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. My bad. I just always turn it off cause I don't like want it on until I get ready to talk or something. That's just always what I am. Before you uh, say what thing... you're going to say, 
before you say okay. what you're going to say, let me just take a moment to thank you because I, I see that you're the latest to uh, become a premium member to the channel here on YouTube. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate your support. You're, I was going to try. I was trying to do it last time. I couldn't find it, but this time I did. So appreciate I that. Asked, yeah. But um, I was going to say, so like the last guy talked about the injury to Petrus, right? I don't understand how he had to come out for a play by the referees. Because, you know, usually if you're injured, you at least have to come out for a play. Only if the helmet gets knocked off. No, well, like, I thought it was an injury, too. Like, if you get hurt. Like, they didn't blow the whistle if him hurt, though. I don't think that's the effect. I don't think that's to the dis- the discretion of the officials. I, I believe that's... The, the officials only have that say if the helmet comes off, for whatever reason. Which well, doesn't I- make sense. A whole lot of sense, honestly. If the helmet comes off for some random reason, and he clearly didn't get touched, or his head didn't get hit. Why? Why does he need to come out? And what you just expressed is uh, valid too. If, if a guy clearly gets hit, the, the I think that's fair to say the officials should be able to enforce that. But I don't believe they can, James. I believe it's only if that helmet comes off. No, I thought it was if he got hurt because, like, if you get hurt on play, because the Denver Penn State, I thought some people had to come out like when they blew the whistle. If they were hurt, they had to come out for a play, and they came back in the next play. Remember, because that's why we were booing them, because they came back in the next play. Yeah, but again, they were allowed to come back in the next play. That's what I'm saying. Nobody, they had to take a playoff, and then they came back in after that. I don't know. Maybe it changed. I don't know. They didn't blow the whistle either way, so it wouldn't matter, no matter what. Yeah, it, was there ever an injury timeout, though? I don't believe that's that. what I don't I'm saying. There was ever... That's what I was saying. That... Like There was no injury timeout. Yeah, so there's no... There's no injury timeout. So perhaps if there's an, again, without looking at the rule book, there was no injury. If there was an injury, if I recall the Penn State game, there were injury timeouts involved there, correct? Yeah. Guys, guys were laying on the field. I don't believe Petrus, you know, they were sorting out the, the the penalties, and I don't believe that timeout was ever called. So I think that's probably the the difference. Yeah, I was. I just didn't understand why it wasn't called. Was but it'll want to be interesting, James. Want to be interesting if Petrus' helmet ever gets, you know, like, I, I, listen. I'm not wanting Petrus to have what uh, what's the guy for the backup or well is he still the backup with Pittsburgh? Uh, uh, Rudolph. Pick, the the pick Rudolph. Rudolph, yeah, Rudolph still there, yeah. yeah. Where he got his helmet ripped off by uh what's his face? Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. I don't want that to happen, but I'm wondering like if that were to happen on a sack and somebody's pulling his face mask and he rips it off, he's gonna have to come out. So do you think, I, that, do you think I would do you think I would take a time out there just so he doesn't have to come out? <laughs> Oh, good lord! I sure hope not. I sure I, hope they're willing to <laughs> be in for a handoff. My goodness! But uh, one thing I have to say too is I'm kind of interested, like next week, to see like if because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't obviously you don't think we have a chance. You never know. Obviously, it's college football, but like I'm interested to see if it does go bad. If they even give a chance after what he said, like obviously we all think he should get a chance. But to me, it's just intriguing to see if he does actually get a chance. I don't foresee that, you know, unless there's, again, I don't know what backlash. I don't think Padilla, it's clear that Padilla has not blown away Petrus in practice. Uh, and now that's never been my argument. I don't have inside information to say otherwise. I think the consensus is that Petrus practices better than Padilla. So it's not like there's going to be Padilla's family is going to be able to threaten the coaching staff. Like I've heard Bethard's family did back in 2014. And that's going to prompt a change. So I, I, at this point, I have no reason to. I've tried to give this coaching staff the benefit of the doubt that they'd at least explore a change, and they've repeatedly doubled down. And so I'm to the point where I no longer, I'm no longer making those predictions. <laughs> I'm just yeah, not going to do. It. I get that for sure. Uh, one thing I was looking at too, you know, some names entering the transfer portal like quarterback because I think that could be something they're interested in. You know, because like 
obviously I still don't think Petrus can come back. And then if Padilla leaves, you think they might have to go after somebody because I don't know how high they are on Levis. But like I seen that Bachmeyer, the quarterback for Boise State, entered the transfer portal. And like he was a three year starter at Boise State. So I don't know like if that's somebody they would look at. But like, you know, he started three years at Boise State. So like he at least has some experience. Yes, it's a Mountain West, but I don't yeah. know if he, he he's better than uh Petrus is looking at his numbers though. I guess Mount West, but doesn't mean he can't do something close to that. Yeah, so that guy that guy struggled to start the season. Um, but I also think they had a if I'm not mistaken, they had a coaching change um, that's, that has played into that as well. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of guys. I mean, it's not going to be – I don't know if it'll be like last year where there's a bunch of proven guys, but my guess is that uh, um, Cade McNamara will enter the portal. And I said to Mark Rogers the other day, I think Cade may be out of Iowa's league because there will be plenty of um, – there'll be plenty of teams out there vying for a guy like – Cade McNamara, who's a proven winner. But I agree with you on that. We'll like, my bad. Especially like in Kentucky, maybe, who like loses to Levis. You know what I'm saying? Who knows how high they are in Duke's Hogan. But you got to look at schools like that. Like, Levis is probably gone. So, Kentucky would probably be in on McNamara. And Kentucky, obviously, is right now better option than Iowa. You know, yeah, so like. Perfect example. Perfect example. I mean, who knows what Mark Stoops, what's going through his mind. But, uh, you know, he's a Big Ten guy. So, he's, he's I'm sure he's aware of of who Cade McNamara is. And like I said, I mean, you're, there's going to be programs all over the country looking for a kid like that. So, yeah. but again, as I, as you've heard me advocate on a number of occasions, if we're say we fast forward three months or, you know, go back, even back to last year, where, you know, I, I said, why not go for, shoot for the stars? Like Wisconsin did with Caleb Williams. There's no reason not to, but um, again, I'm not going to make any more predictions. I've, I've been told that, well, I won't get into that. I won't get into that right now. But I, I think that m- what I'm saying is I believe there will be a better chance that they – and this is kind of stating the obvious. There's a better chance they go after a, a portal quarterback this coming off season than they than there was last year. So maybe that's stating the obvious, but I, I think that's safe to say, even yeah. though that's not something that's comfortable for Kirk and the staff. Yeah. And one thing I noticed, too, when they do, they don't go to the portal a lot. Right, but when they have Jack Heflin, Northern Illinois, Stoyanos, Lafayette, like they seem to like to go for the smaller school guys. You know what I'm saying? Not like yes, the, they've, the bigger they've stated guys. that verbally, James, that they prefer to go the FCS and the uh, you know the the Group of Five or even even Division Two, Division Three route. They prefer that over um, trying to get guys from other power five schools, which again, you're, you're going to have to get over that because there's more and more power five players at various positions leaving than there ever has been. I don't know why I said Bachmeyer's name. Cause like, you know, it kind of fits that mold of. No, perhaps, well, it doesn't, you know, what doesn't fit the mold is he's a quarterback. I mean, when's the last time I was when yeah, after. A yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean, it fits the mold of like what they do, like transfer portal wise of group of five or lower kind of guy, you know, sure. but I don't know. I, and intrigued. I'm kind of happy we get at least a week off to maybe, you know, I don't know if they're going to get things right, but at least fans, you know, it's good to get a break a little bit, especially when you're struggling as much as we are. And I've seen the ESPN, FBI, or whatever, had it says five wins now. Like, that was their prediction. So, you know, Sunday as, as five and seven, which means if I see five and seven, I think the two that they would think we'd get is probably Northwestern Nebraska in my eyes. If you think we're going to get two more. That's the way I look at it, at least. Yeah, I, I could see that. But I just seen that too. I thought that was kind of 
intriguing because like I'd rather like we said earlier the one time I'd rather be five and seven and not make a bowl game than go to like cheese it bowl or whatever. I don't I don't know like that. Cheese bowl? Nah, I'll pass on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm not I'm not a big I'm not a big if it's not one of the top four, I'm not really a big bowl fan because I feel like it just like doesn't really help us much. You know what I'm saying? Can I ask you a serious question though, James? Yeah. Do you like Cheez Its? Yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> but I mean, like, obviously, the bowl game. I feel like I feel like more change would happen if we go five and seven and don't make a bowl, than six and six and make a bowl game. Because you know, Kirk, like you said, ten and two. You know, oh, we went ten and two last year, so it's, yeah. it's worth making the change. What do you think of that comment? I think it was ridiculous. Because when guess what? Next year, when I was five, if they're five, you know, I'm not saying they're gonna be five, but they're five and zero oh next year. I'm going to drive two hours to that press conference on a Tuesday, and I'm going to say, why does your offense suck, Kirk? And he's going to say, well, we're four and oh, we're doing it. And I say, no, you were five and seven last year. <laughs> yeah, somebody, hopefully somebody will say that. I like it's better that, like, Lice Deco is starting to say more, you know, starting to ask the tougher questions, even though they're not answering them. But, like, it needs to be asked because, like, you can't have the worst offense in the nation and think everything is dandy. And it, to me, it kind of seemed like the press conference today, he wasn't afraid of losing his job. I don't know if that seemed like to you, but it just seemed like to me, he wasn't really afraid of losing his job. I don't think he is. Yeah, which is something that, as if you're that bad, you should at least have some fear, you know? He shouldn't even be there right now, but I'm saying, like, in general, he should have some fear. Of losing his job. But I was just checking in on you, seeing how you were. I had a couple questions, but... Uh, we'll see how this weekend goes. Obviously, in the Big Ten, like obviously, we're not going to win the Big Ten, but it's always just interesting to see what goes on in the Big Ten because you got a couple of big games like Illinois and Minnesota is a really big game. Absolutely, the top at least. And if you're honest with you, if anybody's going to win, it had to be Illinois because I said this in chat Sunday, but I had or Saturday, but I had stuff to do. I said if anybody's going to win, it had to be Bealum because he's a Hawkeye, you know, played at Iowa. Was on the coaching staff, so he's a Hawkeye. So, like, no matter what, I'd rather be Bielma than anybody else because he's part of us, you know. I, I mean, agree. Dude has, I no dude has, with a, dude has a Tiger Hawk tattoo on his butt cheek, so obviously he's a he's a Hawk through and through. So, I don't think it's on the butt cheek, but uh, I, I don't, that's what I heard from somebody. One of my friends said that, so I just uh, <laughs> okay. we know it's somewhere, we, but we won't ask him for proof. Yeah, I don't want to see proof either, but it's somewhere at least. You know, you got a Tiger Hawk tattoo on him somewhere, so. At the end of the day is part of us. So, well, I, I, I appreciate the phone call, uh, James. As always, yeah. enjoy your night. Thank you, sir. All right, um, want to give a shout out real quick before we get to our next caller. Um, want to thank Jake Tollender. I saw he uh, became a premium subscriber earlier today, and I don't see it in the chat, so I can't highlight it that way. So I figured I'd throw it up in a banner. Thank you, Jake, for uh, becoming a premium subscriber. And, of course, if you want to support the show by becoming a, a premium subscriber, click the join button next to From the Hawkeye of the Storm. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to throw it up in the chat. So if anybody, uh, if you don't want to try to scroll through the description to find it, uh, I'm going to throw it up in the chat. Um, I'll just uh, throw it up in the chat here. So if you are interested in becoming, a, this should direct you to the right place, I hope. Um, again, that's the link to become a premium subscriber. And of course you'll see a couple perks that you'll get by become, by being a subscriber here to the channel. And again, appreciate everybody being here and everybody who's subscribed 
who's become a premium subscriber. Even if you're here and you just like the video and you're not sold yet, that's all right. Stick around. Hopefully, we'll get you to subscribe at some point. Appreciate everybody being here. We got about 250 people on right now on a uh, Wednesday night, about 10 o'clock. We try to do this each and every Wednesday. And of course, this show is driven by uh, Hawkeye fans like yourself. And uh, we are here each and every Saturday talking about Iowa football with Coach Don Patterson, which brings me to my next point. If you want to sponsor the show, you see on the bottom line there, sponsor by emailing me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. Uh, reach a vast audience, but also a very, very finite audience. In other words, uh, you, you know the demographic. It's Hawkeye fans out there who are watching the show and Hawkeye fans across the Midwest. So again, email me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com for more information on sponsorship. And I mentioned earlier, got an announcement coming up later in uh, the show and and stay tuned on that. Uh, We'll we'll get to that here in a little bit. We've got Ryan Hawkeye Howard, uh, Berger and Vincent on uh, hold here. Adam is our next person into the show. Adam, how you doing? Good, Corey. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I just got into your show this summer. Uh, I've been listening for the past couple of months, so I've been lurking. It's the first time I've been able to call in, so I appreciate the time. Well, I appreciate you doing that, sir, and I'm, I'm glad you found the channel. Hopefully you're, uh, hopefully you're enjoying it despite some of the, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, shortcomings on offense. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. I've been following the Hawks since the early 90s, since Tim Dwight, Tavian Banks, Cedric Shaw. Uh, it's by far the worst offense I've ever seen them put out there. It's been frustrating. This year as a fan, I watch every game, do whatever I can to watch the games. This is the first time that I've even thought about, you know, what's what's the point in watching? We kind of understand what's going to happen. Really, I called in today because I saw the presser information today with Brian Ferentz talking about what's the – he didn't understand the question, what's the upside with putting in a backup? And I apologize if it's already been discussed on about 10 minutes sure. into the you're show fine. tonight. No, you're fine. Uh, what I see with Spencer is more of an intangible issue. I think we could talk about missed throws and lack of mobility. But when you look at that guy's where, – where his eyes are at on the sideline, you know, the, the moxie you're looking for in a quarterback, that Stanzies and the Bethards – Guys like that had even Stanley. I, I joke with my wife saying, you know, I never really loved Stan, uh, Stanley, but I would take that guy a hundred times over right now to have the moxie to stand in the pocket, make the tough throws, get up. So it, it's frustrating to see Petrus get thrown back out there. And then when the question is asked to Brian Ferentz is what's the downside of getting someone in? He has a hard time understanding what that question means and sitting at, three and three, not really having any sort of offense to go to, just looking for a spark off the bench to get somebody in there that can make a play on their feet, move around a little bit. At this point, I think being conservative and being worried about turnovers, I don't think that's the issue. I think we need to be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball, put some throws downfield, get some wide receivers involved in the game, get out of the 10-yard out pass to the tight end and Looking for a guy that we saw last year with Padilla. He made some throws that were questionable that, you know, were a little bit more dangerous than we've seen out of Petrus, but at least he was kind of trying to push the ball downfield. And it's been frustrating not really seeing that this year where we understand we're going to get one yard on first down, incomplete on second down. It's just, 
I'm 38 years old, been watching the Hawkeyes for 25 straight years. And when you when you go down by seven points, you understand at that point the game's probably over. And we have shown no ability whatsoever to make these games close. We've had some defensive, outstanding defensive play. I think that gets undersold on all this where we have guys like Cooper DeGene, Hercules, Jack Campbell, these guys out there that are just making plays, going out there majority of the game, lopsided time of possession. These guys are on the field. Whether they give up 27 points to Michigan, I still see that as not a bad game if you look at what the offense did for us. So uh, it's it's frustrating as it gets uh, to be a Hawkeyes fan for as long as I have been and not really having any hope whatsoever and them being able to put any sort of offensive game plan together that's going to put two, three scores on the board. I think with this defense, if you can put two touchdowns and two field goals up, you're darn close going to be in every single game that outside Ohio State that I we're going to play. What's what's incredible, and I know Michigan fan. We got some Michigan fans in the chat as always, and I appreciate uh, you know Mike, and I see Ben here is is waiting to talk as well. I do appreciate Michigan fans. I'm not trying to be snarky, but Iowa was technically, I mean, in that third quarter. Uh, of course, they scored beginning of the fourth. That game was still. I mean, if Iowa scores, they're deep into Michigan territory in the fourth quarter. It's a one score game if they get it in the end zone there, and of course they failed on a fourth and two in the red zone. But my point is. As bad as you you brought it up, Adam. As bad as the offense is, um, that's how good the defensive and, and special teams units are. And you're right. We, we've been saying this for. I know you just started watching the show in the summer, but man, I've been saying this for how long now? That the the offense doesn't have to be great. Doesn't even have to be good. It just needs to be average. It just can't be bad. And it was bad last year, and they overcame it. And now it's atrocious. And so, yeah, you're not asking for that much. No, you're not. I'm with you on the whole Nate Stanley thing. Uh, I, I, I'll be the first to admit that I, I never called for Nate Stanley to be benched. Um, I never did. I just, I just never did. I, I rarely do that. Um, but I was frustrated with Stanley at times. There were times where you know Nate overthrew deep balls, had a hard time putting touch on the ball. He had his issues. But again, part of that's Iowa not developing and teaching the fundamentals correctly. Um, but boy, uh, uh, what I wouldn't uh, give to uh, have a few games with Nate Stanley this season. Yeah, I think our record would reflect that with him at quarterback. I forget if whether it was the Wisconsin or Penn State overthrow to Sean Byers, where he was wide open and he missed Stanley missed that throw. I always think back to that. So you know, obviously he wasn't one of the better quarterbacks, but you put him in with this defense and special teams. I think we're looking at a, a different yeah, win, one loss record. You're thinking of the 2018 game at Penn State. It was an overthrow to Hawkinson. It would have been a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, he was wide open, and it was yep. way overthrown. So there was there was never – I didn't love him, but I think he gave us a chance to win. He had that moxie, and that's just something I see with – I'm with you. I've watched your show enough that you keep it middle of the road. You don't have outlier opinions one way or the other to, you know, throw these guys under the bus or anything like that but you know the the guy when you look at his eyes standing on the sidelines you know it, it looks like a deer in headlights he doesn't have the moxie we need someone like a gamer i go back i'm from texas so i always think back to drew tate that's the epitome of what, what i call moxie somebody that's going to go out there and be a gamer make a play might not have the best best decision making you know going back to rick stanzi throwing pick sixes same thing, you know, we, these guys 
didn't always make the right play, put themselves in danger, but they gave us a chance to win, and they they really call them a gunslinger mentality, but they had that. And with Petrus, I mean, I always think back to, I think it was a fourth down last last season, and he threw the ball out of bounds. So, yeah, you know, you're talking about a fourth down play that doesn't matter what you do. You can force the ball. You can throw an interception. You can make a bad decision but to at least try to make a play. And he threw the ball out of bounds intentionally. So that was the Wisconsin that was a Wisconsin game and they were down by three scores at the time. Yes. Yeah. So you don't you just think about the mentality a guy has like that to throw a ball out of bounds instead of try to make a play. And I think it says a lot about where his head's at. And seeing the comments today by Brian Ferentz was uh it really kind of opened my eyes. I'm not a fire everybody kind of guy, but I think at this point there needs to be changes made from an offensive perspective. Not not a head coaching, but if that leads to that, it's what we need to do. But we need a a change in philosophy. We don't we can't do it midseason. Uh but I think if we throw a quarterback in there to see what he can give us, it gives us a chance. I know the backup quarterback is always the most popular player on the team, but when you're looking at the offense that we're trotting out there every every game and what our odds are of putting up some points the best thing you can do or an option to look at, which we know they won't do. Looking back to Vandenberg a couple of years back, they'll put Stanley out there for every single snap of the play this year. And it's frustrating. So I, I, that's what I wanted to give a call about. Talk about the comment Ferentz made in the presser today. I, you probably saw my uh, segment earlier. I'm disappointed by it, but uh, I think you're, you're being reasonable and, uh, We'll we'll hang in this together, and uh, we'll just we'll hope for I don't want to say a miracle, but we'll hope for a change of mindset maybe at some point. It's yeah, like, a change hope. of mindset, or you know, three defensive touchdowns a game. One of the two is our only hope. There you go. Well, I appreciate the time, Corey. Uh, appreciate the show. You do a great show. Uh, big fan here, so I'll be following you. Appreciate it, Adam. Have a great night. Appreciate the phone call, and. Um, Great calls tonight. I know uh, this is a a, a fan driven show, and and we need the we need the phone calls. So appreciate everybody being here and the people who are on hold. I, I'm not uh, forgetting you, so just hang tight as you can watch the show here in Streamyard as you wait to get on. But uh, appreciate everybody being here. Uh, we're gonna get to one more call, and then we're gonna take a about a thirty uh, about a minute long break. Ryan, who has been waiting on hold patiently. Ryan, how you doing this evening, sir? Ryan. All right. Ryan's not with us. We'll, we'll come back to him. Um, Hawkeye Howard, how you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. What's going on, Corey? Are you on the road? No, I got tonight off, buddy. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. you no, got uh, tonight off. And I didn't even know it until I looked at the schedule. I go, oh, heck yeah, I got tonight off. I can sit down with Corey and all my Hawkeye fans, and uh, uh, did you see? Uh, uh, well, you're pro- thanks to you, you got me on tweet on the old tweeter. So, <laughs> and uh, so I've been on the old tweeter, and I'm getting myself in a little trouble. So, Uh-oh. yeah. What and so, did I'm- you happen to see from a former player from your hometown? I won't name names. Called us Iowa fans a spoiled crybabies. So, yeah, I thought that uh, was interesting. 
And then I tweeted back, well, it must be nice to have uh, your head up someone's backside that far. Oh. Come out for air. <laughs> so, and he did, that didn't go over well. And then uh, another person, then another person I wanted to tell you about uh, uh, was Brian Ferentz, Bur- uh was uh, like a burned account. It was went through that, uh, oh, yeah, we won 10 games last year and all that. And you want them to call the president. You want fans to call the president, AD, and get, get – I go, yeah, I do. I have called. I've got Like I said on the, in my chat, I got busy signals and voicemails. And so – People can laugh at you for that. I actually I, – I think you're I, – I think that's commendable. I, I don't have any problem with you calling the university. And people may think that's not going to make a difference. Well – Oh, whatever. I don't have any problem with that. I think that's noble. I, I think that's better than going on social media and complaining your head off like most pe- most people do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I look at this. It, I saw Brian's ke- ke- uh, conference. Okay, will interview. I can only stand so much of him. Okay, because I think he's an arrogant sob. You know, to me, he, he's just arrogant. But he's got like his dad in, and so I just I was screaming at the t- at my internet uh, my computer saying like answer the question honestly, you know. So you probably were too. I mean, I mean, what can he goes? What's the upside? What's the upside? You can win games. Am I right? I mean, well. <laughs> yeah. Again, I said it earlier. I, I don't know. Ex- you know, I, I, I should. Should I be giving Brian the benefit of the doubt? Maybe not. But I, I did, as I heard it a second time. Thought, well, maybe he meant there's still some unknowns there. So he was genuinely saying, well, what's the upside? You know, we don't know, so you can't be calling for a change. But the point of the question is, how do you know a guy's not an upgrade unless you see him in a game? And that's a fair question. And I wish that had kind of been a fall. I wish that Brian had been pressed a bit further than he was on it. But that was a fair question, and it was not a good response. Mm-hmm. I was. I mean, I'm going to go on this one part here. It's just Brian's pulling down his dad's legacy. He's pulling it down. I mean, instead of all the good things Kurt did for the school, we're going to remember this part. You know, last in the offense, last in this. We're not going to remember, you know, all the good games we've had, you know, the 2015 season where I got to take my father for the first time to see a, a game and watch him cry when he watched, looked out on the field. He, he's 80 some years old, never seen anything like that. The memories like that are going to be tarnished to me, you know. Um, November, November 17th. When we beat Illinois, 63 to, you know, nothing. You know, uh, I spent the day with my father in the hospital. He was going to have a pacemaker change. We I snug, so smuggled in McDonald's because he wanted a Big Mac, you know. And uh, unfortunately, the angels came for him that night. So I feel that Brian is tarnishing those memories for me. You have every right to to feel that way, and uh, 
I'm, I'm not going to judge you at all, Hawkeye Howard. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in any position to do so, and neither is anyone. So, um, well, <clears throat> this is what you're, I'm you're, saying. Uh, my those, a lot of those memories were from my family. You know the the games and Brian and Kurt gave those to us, to everybody, to my yeah. family, to them. And but him bringing his son on in this experiment, I totally agree with you on. Is really tarnishing some of that, and him doubling down, tripling down with Spencer and all this, and not doing anything. And I plead with Brian, do the right thing, resign, step aside, you know, do the right thing, step aside. Let's get somebody in there who could do it. Heck, I think Kirk could probably do the OC and call his own plays and probably a little bit better. I don't know, but right now, anything's worth a shot. So, I mean, also, I agree with you on one thing. If Alex is here next year, it will be a miracle. And Lavis, after what he said. So, and I know, no, this is, I got this by second hand, third hand. Players have, of parents of players, uh, the players are not happy either. You know, uh, parents have, told some people that I know that they're not happy and they have talked about going to other schools. Now, I don't know who, I don't know who these people are. I just, these like third, fourth hand. Now, I don't know how, you know, probably shouldn't even say anything like that, but it is what it is. But uh, like I said, I've, I've vented enough tonight, but but something has to be done. Um, I encourage everybody to, if not, write a letter to the school, call them, uh, don't go to the game. And it's only way, the only way we're going to get changes, have our voices heard by someone who doesn't want to hear our voice. And Howard, I'll just say this one more time. Um, I want to make it clear. Uh, you having emotion attached to Iowa football. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people say, well, it's just football. And it is. There's bigger things in life. But those bigger things in life sometimes have attachments to things like football. And I, I don't think there's any, any anything wrong with being frustrated with the fact that right now Iowa football s- seems to be headed to a place that's not very positive. And mm-hmm. You have every right to be frustrated by that. So uh, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I mean, I think there's a respect no, I, to vent your frustration, and I think you just did that. I, I don't. I know it's just football, but you got to remember when I see that game on the internet, Iowa versus Minnesota, that game, and we went 10 and 0. I was in the stands with my father, you know, and never been to a game in 80 some years at the time, and looking down, you know, and it was. He and got the right on the train coming in there, you know, you know, so that game was, it was a memory for us. So, and watch it. Like I said, watch the Illinois game. That was a memory for us. And I know a lot of people who are watching games. It was memory for them too, on a family occasion. So Iowa football, when you're an Iowa fan, Iowa football 
and basketball tie into your lives. And all I got to say is, I just feel that it's being drugged down to a place where, you, you know, you have that instead of the good, sometimes the good points come out, those memories, and then you're like, oh, God, remember that season when we had the worst offense, you know, in the country? So that's where I'm coming from. I appreciate your perspective, Hawkeye Howard. And uh, you, as you know, you're, you're always welcome to call in. I always enjoy hearing from you. Yeah. Well, that's about it. I'll try to stop tweeting so much. <laughs> Getting myself in trouble in the old tweeter. So, uh, yourself all trouble. right. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. But uh, I'll let everybody go. So you all have fun. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, sir. All right. We got people, again, if you're waiting on hold, we're going to get to you, I promise. want to thank a few of our uh, premium subscribers who are here in the chat. John Buckeye is here. Yes, the uh, Buckeyes are the next up on the schedule. Uh, Lemansky is a premium subscriber. Uh, thank you for being here, Lemansky. Hawkeye Howard, we just got off the phone with him. Uh, Mudflap is one of our premium subscribers. Danimal says, I love Brian's knee-jerk reaction saying, what's the upside? And then backtracking immediately after so he doesn't sound so blunt. And that could have been what he was doing. Uh, Danimal, thank you for being, as always, one of our subscribers. Uh, Mudflap says, Corey, why didn't you go to the interviews today? That's a good question. Uh, as I've said before, Iowa City's two hours away from me, so um, I, and I and I haven't been making a habit of being on Zoom for the Tuesday or the Wednesday uh, morning interviews with uh, uh, mainly coaches here during the season, uh, assistant coaches. Uh, I was on for the Brian interview. What after week one? Um, I thought about going down there today, Mudflap, but uh, again, two hours away. Is it worth my time to go down there to ask one or two questions? Um, I'm not in the Iowa print media, so I don't benefit from, uh, as it relates to that. And uh, being able to hear the the press conferences on demand are certainly certainly a good thing. Um, Ari Gold asks about a press pass. Um, I guess I, don't, I, I guess I need to know what you mean by press pass. Um, I, I think the Iowa media communications department does a great job making um, press conferences and availability open to people like me uh, and to people who, who cover the beat in various ways. I'm not a beat writer, of course, but I like to think that I'm some form of Iowa media, some form of, of the media, right? This is a form of the media, whether people want to accept that or not, that's fine. It doesn't bother me, but uh, I will say that the communications department is great giving access. Uh, in fact, uh, tomorrow, uh, thanks to Matt Weitzel and Iowa Communications, we'll have uh, an interview with uh, a head coach. I won't say who, but a head coach that we'll be releasing here in the coming uh, days, weeks. So that's an example of uh, the access that Iowa uh, gives, and, and certainly it's appreciated. Uh, All Country Boy, another one of our premium subscribers. Have you heard the Zach Wilson, that Zach Wilson had a visit to Iowa before uh, Spencer signed? Uh, as far as a rumor is concerned, that's not really a rumor, all country boy. I think that's, uh, and again, without looking, without going back and actually finding that story, I know that Zach and Petrus both had uh, offers here, and Spencer uh, accepted the offer before Zach. I don't know if Zach took an official visit here. I, I just don't remember that. But you're right that Iowa was very close to landing Zach Wilson, and they basically took Spencer over Zach because Spencer accepted the offer before Zach did. And now, of course, Zach is the uh, starter for the Jets. Kyle, one of our premium subscribers, says Spencer did say in the postgame that he went through concussion 
protocol. Yes, he did. I don't think it was probably too ex- extensive, but he did go through a protocol. Mike is one of our subscribers, our premium members. What's the upside? Maybe not being absolutely last in the NCAA in offense. Kyle, one of our new members. Thank you, Kyle, for becoming a premium subscriber. I'm going to follow in Kyle's footsteps. Hit that uh, join button next to the channel here at from the Hawkeye of the Storm on YouTube. Again, thank you, Kyle, for uh, becoming a, a premium member. Lemansky, appreciate the super chat, sir. After OSU runs up the score on us, no backup will play unless an injury occurs. I am stubborn, Corey, still thinking seven and five. Well, seven and five would be a success at this point. No question about it. Given the schedule, you have to pencil in Ohio State is a loss at this point. Uh, so, you, you'd have, you know, assuming they lose to Ohio State, you're looking at three and four. Uh, and then you're talking about having to win out to make eight and four. And I don't think that's too reasonable with this offense. Now, could they beat anybody left in the schedule after Ohio State? I suppose I'd say yes. I suppose they have dominated Minnesota of late. They've dominated Nebraska. Um, they, they have not dominated Northwestern, but that's not a very good football team right now. Wisconsin, it's hard to read. Of course, they're going through a coaching change. They looked good against a bad Northwestern team. Um you know, Purdue has owned Iowa of late, but again, uh, they're not unbeatable. So, yeah, I mean, there are opportunities for wins, but there are also opportunities for losses. And the West is down. And if Iowa ends up going five and seven or six and six this year in the West, that that is an indictment, a mega indictment on this uh, offense. No question about it. All right, we are going to be, let's see, uh, we hit about 10.30. We'll be here for at least the next half hour. We've got uh, several callers on hold. Hang tight. We'll uh, be right back. We're going to uh, listen to a message from one of our sponsors who, again, appreciate all the support from our sponsors, everybody who's here watching, all the support across the board. It's what helps make this show happen. So first up, Ascent Nutrition and their great products. Again, if you've not checked out Ascent Nutrition, visit GoAscentNutrition.com. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hawkeye fans, let's talk about health and performance optimization for a moment. Our sponsor, Ascent Nutrition, offers amazing products. It's actually owned by former Iowa graduate Lance Shuttler. Now, I've decided to partner with Ascent Nutrition because of their unique approach to human health. Ascent offers an organically grown mold and mycotoxin-free coffee. It provides a pure, clean, and rich flavor without those pesticides that most coffees are treated with. They also offer an algae oil DHA, which is used to support brain health, memory and focus, as well as proper nervous system development in adults, children, athletes, and even pets. Now, lastly, their unique crafted wild pine pollen is used to support cardiovascular health, hormonal function, and a healthy libido. Your purchase not only supports this channel, but the business of a former Hawkeye. Visit GoAscentNutrition.com or click the link in the description below and use the code Hawkeyes. That's the code Hawkeyes to receive 15% off your total order from Ascent Nutrition. So again, appreciate Ascent Nutrition. GoAscentNutrition.com and use that code Hawkeyes. Courtesy of uh, Ascent Nutrition and this channel from the Hawkeye of the Storm. And you're supporting both a former Hawkeye and this YouTube channel. All right, let's try to get Ryan back in, who uh, was trying to, to figure out uh, his audio earlier. Ryan, can you hear me? And we'll see if I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're a little way. You sound like you're in a well, but I can't hear you. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, 
my headphones kind of went kaboot. Anyway, um, okay. can you hear me okay right now? Yep, you're loud and clear. Okay, good. Um, after listening to Brian's press conference, I'm convinced because the solution, as we all know, is we need to clean things up, is Gary Barta needs to find some money to hire Mary Maid for this offense. And that maid might be able to call better plays while Brian and Kirk and Coach Barnett work on the offensive line. I I, I think that might might actually get us up to 128 nationally. So, you know, I know you're aware, Corey, but Corey fired the volleyball coach midseason because she wasn't competing for Big Ten championships. And, you know, looking at the numbers, we were under Brian's tenure, 117, 92, 99, High, high watermark was 2020, 88th, 121, and currently, I don't know what, 130. That averages 108. And yet, you know, he comes out and says he has full faith in Brian Ferentz. Well, it tells me that there could almost be a lawsuit coming that a coach under his tenure, not named Ferentz, is like held to the standard of competing for conference championships, yada, yada, yada. You know, you can fire the volleyball coach without saying a whole lot, but firing a Ferentz is going to be a big, big deal, even though it needs to happen. Um, one of the other things now, I'm not going to name the website, but Tom Cakert's website often has rumors that, you know, in my 20 years of watching it turn out to be true. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I read was real quickly. I just want to say you're talking about the message board. You're not talking about Tom's work. You're talking about the message. Correct. Correct. Nothing Tom said. Um, not, for the record, I'm not a member of that message board, but I just wanted to clarify that, that that's what you were referring to. Yeah, and I, I won't say the name of the site, you know, for whatever reason. But um, a lot of times, you know, once in a while, like Drew Tate went to a class in a sling right before the bowl game, you know, was BS. But um, more times than not, there's some smoke to the fire. Um, that being said, you know, I encourage everyone to take this with a grain of salt, but there was a post on there that Padilla may have already expressed that he's going to move on to the next chapter. I guess I read med school, whatever it may be. I saw somebody else in the chat who brought that up earlier. Okay. So, that might have something to do with uh, what is the upside comment that Brian made. Because on the surface, just purely on the surface, it's probably one of the stupidest things I've ever heard a coach say. I mean, you're not going anywhere this year. You're just not. 
not with the status quo. Not, everything needs to be cleaned up. We hear, we've heard that term ad nauseum for 23 years. And, you know, it's a long process. A few th times things have been temporarily cleaned up. But um, it would maybe make sense that that might be what he's saying under the surface. But even so, fine. Let's see what Joey Labas can do. You know, I I know I know that you could have Patrick Mahomes as a true freshman and he wouldn't sniff the field unless it was in handoff garbage time like Drew Tate did under Nathan Chandler. But um as an example, but uh if that's true, then you're looking at next year having a zero, basically a zero uh, competitive quarterback. Even Nate Stanley with C.J. Beathard getting his ass kicked in the Florida game, that bowl game, where Ed Cunningham, the co commentator, was more or less accusing KF of child abuse, if you recall, I was at that. I was actually at that game, so I don't think I ever watched the TV copy because it was such an ugly game. But uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Ed Cunningham. I mean, you can look it up on 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 online. Ed Cunningham, pretty much, was just a gas that we didn't put in a fresh Nathan Stanley. To I mean, what do you have to lose at that point? CJ was getting his butt kicked. And we, he refused to take him out when the man was at 30%. You know, that's my arbitrary percent. But, you know, Nate Stanley, much tougher quarterback than what we're seeing nowadays. He was, frankly, you know, and the only reason he's got Drew Tate by 10 yards in – all-time quarterback is because Drew Tate was injured half his senior year. But um, Nate Stanley was awful in big games. He sucked against Wisconsin. He sucked against the big boys. He was amazing his sophomore year at Ohio State, which kind of brings me to my next point. Quarterbacks do not get better from their, call it, sophomore year to their senior year. Stanley most definitely did not. Don't get me wrong, I'd rather I would do about anything to have him in there right now. But he wasn't better. He didn't get better. Um, you know, I got a stat up here. Question for you, Corey. Season, single season, all time throwing yards in a season. Who's number four? With 3,022 yards. Number three is Chuck Hartlieb, 309-2 in 97. Number two is Chuck Long, 32-97 in 85. Number one is Chuck Hartlieb, 37-38 in 88. Who's number four? I doubt you'll get it. Stan, uh, Stanzi? Nope. James Vandenberg. 2011. Oh, 2011, yeah. 
So here's a guy who damn near beat Ohio State at the shoe in 2010 as a backup quarterback because Stanzi was hurt as a backup quarterback. And, you know, we, you know, with 57 seconds to go, and Iowa could have drove with Marvin McNutt and DJK as our wide receivers, number one and number two all time, by the way. We decided to kill time and put it into overtime to lose. But anyway, my point is in 2012, this guy's senior year, you know, he was dog shit. Let's face it. Greg Davis's first year as offensive coordinator. And here's a guy who went from our fourth all-time passer in the season, his junior year, to basically a dink and dunk, you know, glorified Spencer Petrus, whatever you want to call him. My whole point in this is Kirk can't develop quarterbacks. And as much as I can't stand Brian, as much as his his press conference was terrible today, as much as I had Deuce Hogan flashbacks, as Lemansky said, you know, a while back tonight, the man cannot develop quarterbacks. And our, our offense is messed up. We take talent. You know, I, so here's another thing. In the offseason, on another web, on, on a website run by Tom Caker, which I will not say, you, you keep hearing about how this guy named Joey Labis was ripping it up on the scout team. And Kirk took some questions about how good he looked, and he said stuff like, well, we got to rein him in and we got to coach him up. I mean, I'm sorry, but I took that to mean we got to – dumb him down or water him down, whatever. Apparently, this guy can make plays a la Drew Tate, you know, where you got to make something out of nothing. But Kirk wants a watered-down quarterback, and, and that bothers me a lot. I understand where you're coming from on all of it, Ryan, and um... – you're right about the quarterback regression. At least it appears that you're right on that. Uh, so, you know, Stanzi's numbers improved in 2010, but the team was less successful. And you could say the same thing about Vandenberg, although he was not very good in 2012, but the numbers in 2011 were terrific. And, um, I mean, that was not a great team. So um, I could say the same thing about Stanley. I thought I thought he played better in 17 than he did in 18 or 19. Collectively. Yep, exactly. maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that, but his numbers were – Hit some big games in 2017, the least of which being the beatdown against Ohio State. Um, now, I Petrus thought that was the game that was going to break this curse of, yeah. okay, we finally yeah. have a quarterback who's going to be a stud his senior year, a la Chuck Long, and not even close. I mean, and that's not knocking Nate Stanley, but he, he was amazing as – a sophomore most of the time, especially Ohio State. Um, you get Wisconsin's defense up there. You get Penn State, Michigan. He wasn't very good. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is, you know, it just bothers me that I feel like this is 
you know, there's a lot of people like myself and many others where it's kind of becoming an uprising. You know, I feel like Kirk is starting to take this goodwill and he's rapidly losing it. And these lawsuits aren't going to help his cause in the off season either. And I just, I don't like seeing him going out this way, but you know, let's be honest. Most of Kirk's, most of Kirk's success has come on the backs of before Norm Parker and now Phil Parker. I, I And you want a new offensive coordinator? Great. Maybe we don't have the nepotism issue. But as long as Kirk is going to have it his way, you know, Greg Davis wasn't as bad at Texas as he was at Iowa, but I would argue he wasn't as handcuffed. So that's my thought. I appreciate I appreciate your thoughts as always, Ryan, and um, see what we get in a week and a half. Last thing I want to ask you, Corey, is uh, I'm not going to be on for a little while. I'm leaving the country because Iowa football is just, you know, going to be all over the place. I got to get out of here. Um, I feel bad for Coach Patterson. Um, I, I, I just – I feel like he's too dignified of a man for people like myself and others to just basically bitch. And yet, what else can we do? And so he's a real trooper for putting up with it. Um, I feel bad that he's got to put up with it because I so bad want to say, hey, Coach Patterson, I really loved how Iowa – threw downfield to a wide receiver for 35 yards and, you know, or, you know, we went for a flag. We did something different and actually make it a positive. But he's kind of becoming like, you know, our psychiatrist or something on football. And I feel bad that we don't have better football to ask him questions because I don't think as a whole we're as negative as we are right now, but it's really hard when, you know, Gary Barta has full faith in a guy who's year six in and averages 108 out of 131. That's where I'm at, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, Ryan. And uh, get back in the country uh, as soon as you can and uh, hook back up to the show. Appreciate you uh, being here. Let's get to our next caller here. Burger, who's been on the line for my first of all, am I pronouncing is it with the three in there? Is it Burger? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my name is Micah Hirschberger, and over time okay. online, people just start calling me Burger, and I changed the number in there just to make it unique. So, yeah, it's Burger. And, and okay, correct me if I'm wrong here, Micah, but uh, and this is how my mind works. I don't have a photographic memory, but I do remember certain things like this. Didn't you used to have a YouTube handle that was your full name? Yes, uh, yeah, I did, yeah. Okay. So, I, I don't so know why I changed that, like, it. it just, you know, needed to switch up a little bit. <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. Yeah. No. But thanks for taking my call. And you know, I I wanted to shout out Hawkeye Howard. Um, that that really rings a it strikes a chord with me too. Um, his whole point about the legacy and just Iowa football. You remember your moments in life 
a lot of times by sports, by big sporting events. Like I, I certainly do. And, you know, my family grew up, uh, my mom and dad, when they were first married, uh, they lived in Tallahassee, Florida in Bobby Bowden's first season. And they became, uh, my whole family became huge Florida state fans. Then we moved to Iowa when I was four years old and I became a big Iowa Hawkeye fan somehow. I always accused them of child abuse for letting me become a Hawkeye fan versus Florida State. But uh, I became a Hawkeye fan, and but I, I still, you know, followed Florida State and everything. And, you know, Bobby Bout, we, we used to just have big family get-togethers to watch Florida State football. And I'll never forget, it, you know, during the 90s, um, Florida State was in the middle of a run where I think they finished 14 straight years in the top five in the AP poll at the end of the year. And Mark Richt was the offensive coordinator in the nineties. And he left in 2000 to go to Georgia, of course. And Bobby Bowden promoted his son, Jeff Bowden from wide receivers coach to uh, offensive coordinator. And Jeff Bowden had no, credentials to speak of um if you go and look at his wikipedia page i think like 37 of his 40 years coaching was all for family members and he drove that offense into the ground and florida state they never have recovered from that they went from 14 straight years in the top five to when jeff bowden was forced out by the boosters much to bobby bowden's uh, ire. I mean, he was, he was livid about it. Bobby Bowden, uh, never finished higher than 21 in the polls after that. And Florida state never really recovered until the one year they had Jameis Winston and Jimbo Fisher. And they're still, they're still trying to recover from that. And it's just sad because that's how my, my whole family, my football family, that's how we remember Florida state is that's why I remember Bobby Bowden is the travesty, the way that he went kicking and screaming out of that because of nepotism. And it was straight up nepotism after Jeff Bowden left the Florida state program. He never got a job that the next job he got was at Northern Alabama. When I think Terry, I think Terry Bowden went from Akron to Northern Alabama to become head coach and brought, brought Jeff on. But it was like, it was so obvious. I remember going to a game there where fans were actually calling from the stands, the plays they were predicting the plays and they were right <laughs> most of the time. And, um, I see the same thing happening here. Unfortunately, it's, it's all too similar. And I wasn't really that worked up about the Illinois loss. I, I kind of saw it coming. I've just kind of thrown in the towel on the season, to be honest. And then I listened to the post game presser. And then the press conference with Brian Ferentz today, and it just made me angry because I feel like we're being gaslit as a fan base. You know, I remember listening to you and Coach Patterson talk about this offense going back to the offseason. And it was like, remember when they announced that Brian Ferentz was going to be promoted to quarterbacks coach? And everyone was like, this is such a bad idea. It's going to be disastrous. And now there they're people- acting... I'm not trying to just toot my own horn on this burger, but there were some people who said, I, I, we're jumping to, you know, let's just wait and see. Let's yeah, not. That's true. Yeah, you're and absolutely right. Yeah. And, and I was not patient. And I, I, you remember my reaction. My, I was, no, I remember that day going on the air. I, it was, uh, I've never been more strong in a feeling 
on a, a coaching decision as I was that day. Uh, you're absolutely right. I, 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 yeah. There was no question in my mind that was maybe the worst thing Iowa could have done. Yeah, no, I'll give you props for that. And I remember, um, I think it was the Locked On podcast, Hawkeye's guy, that he just made a huge argument. No, this this made perfect sense. <laughs> it's just like, how could you possibly think that? But no, I, I mean, mo- I would say most most people, most fans saw this as just a really bad idea. And yet, you know, we're told, you know, the, the coaching staff gets up there and they say, look, it's going to be an open quarterback competition. And then the reality is that there was no quarterback competition. And then when you bring that up, they come back with, well, it, it all took place behind closed doors, not in the open practices. Yeah, let, let, you know, there are certain things that people say during these live shows that uh, I don't want to use the word trigger me because I'm not actually like vehemently upset to where I'm, you know, need to test my blood pressure like the caller earlier, Lemansky earlier. But what you just said kind of triggered me because I, I kind of forgot about our discussion. And I had, we had Don Patterson. If you watch our show with Mark Rogers had Don Patterson on that show. Mm-hmm. And I remember reacting to the live scrimmage that Iowa had in practice. Remember? And, and, and yep. We I, remember you asking, I remember you asking Coach Patterson these questions. Yeah, exactly. And I asked Brian Fer- – listen, I asked Brian Ferentz that question at Media Day. I said, Brian – and people can go back and, and, and listen to that interview. I asked Brian, um, pl- you know, basically, can you tell us or what we saw at the open scrimmage? Is that reflective of what, what was happening in practice? In other words, was Spencer getting 80 to 90% of snaps against the ones in – practice on a routine basis like he did in the open scrimmage and you know his his answer of course was you know no you know we're these guys are getting yeah i don't he didn't say equal snaps against equal competition but that's what it should be but what you just said triggered me because th- this is an indication to me reinforcement that i i have no doubt that they probably did go through practice through spring and through fall camp with spencer getting 80 to 90 percent against the ones i mean yeah because it didn't make any sense for them to go up in that open practice and do that. And Brian basically acted like, well, we weren't going to show the fans anything. What harm does it do? What, what harm is it to show the fans equal snaps against equal competition for all the quarterbacks? The only harm it would possibly do is it would look bad on your part. If fans could evaluate it properly and you go with someone else like Spencer, that's the only way it yeah. could backfire. Yeah, no, it didn't make exactly any sense right. for them to proceed through open practice that way, and they did it anyways. And I kind of forgot about it until you just brought it up. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I apologize for that. No, I'm glad you but, said it. it was like a, a this, switch went on in my mind. Yeah. But there have been there have been three real examples of the gaslighting this year. One was the quarterback thing. The second was that the the Kirk Ferentz has claimed that both Pet that they trust both Petrus and Padilla that they're really close. They both trust him to run the offense. And then it's like the reality, though, is that Petrus takes 100% of the snaps, even in garbage time, a la Jake Vandenberg in 2012, as one of the previous callers alluded to. And and when they've been asked, well, would you consider a change if, if uh, both could run the offense, their rebuttal is what Brian said today. Well, what's the upside? They act like we're crazy for even suggesting it. Like, there's there's no upside to playing a second quarterback. <laughs> I looked at I looked at all the the other teams that are bad at offense this year. We're the only team that's played one quarterback. Everyone else is trying new things to try and generate some kind of offense. That's what you do. And I can't imagine in anybody else's business in, the, in where they work 
you have a bad performance. So let's say you're on a sales team and you have the lowest number of sales and you're confronted by your manager and you're like, well, as a team, we've got, we're, we're ranked pretty high as a team. It's like, no, that's not how it works. And that's the third thing is, is not executing, but we're improving. And the reality is that we're the worst offense in the country. We've been regressing for a couple of years. And then when confronted, I think Chad Leistikow brought that up to France, and he goes, well, you know, we won 10 games last year. And you know what? It reminded me so much of Bobby Bowden because I remember after um, a particularly bad loss, I think it was the, I think, I believe it was to Virginia when, was it Rondé Barber or Tiki Barber? Who was the running back? Who was playing for Virginia? And anyway, anyway, it was uh, after a loss, and it was a really bad loss. And it, the the media was finally fed up, and they they asked Bobby Bowden the tough question after the game, like, "Are you going to make changes?" And Bobby Bowden looked at them with absolute indignity and said, "Half the teams in the country lost today, like that was somehow a defense of losing a really bad game." And that Kirk Ferentz is just reminding me so much of how those questions are answered. And I I've I've been a fan like I said, since the late 80s when I started kind of watching. And I've been around for all of Ferentz's career. And I actually covered Iowa a little bit uh, in college in the early 2000s um, when we were in our run of top 10 finishes three straight years um, with uh, Scout.com. And uh, okay. I interviewed some football recruits under John Miller and Rob Howe. And, but mostly I was, in, I was in Los Angeles, so I was mostly doing USC stuff. And just to see the difference between – recruiting at USC versus Iowa, how the two programs approached it. It made me realize back at the time I was like, I was calling for Ferentz's job because he came out when he, when he, he didn't want to go after the top recruits. He didn't want to spend the, the amount of time and the effort, the money, all that stuff that goes into the recruiting nowadays. He was kind of behind the times in that. And I remember him giving a famous speech where he said, Iowa is not a place of beaches and oceans. We're not, we're just not a destination. And it was like, he made the fans forget that just a couple of years before we had competed for Chris Leak, the number one quarterback in the country it came down to us versus Florida. And it was a big, you know, his recruiting diary was in ESPN and all that stuff. And we ended up getting Drew Tate. And then a couple of years later, we got Jake Christensen. who was a five-star guy. You know, we, we had actually attracted some great big time recruits. And then we went through a long period where, you know, we were in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, you know, in terms of team rankings and recruiting. And somehow Ferentz has, he's kind of, I guess, uh, conned Iowa fans into believing two things. Number one, we're not a destination for top recruits and we're never going to be. And number two is that part of the quote-unquote Iowa way, it's this recipe for success that he has built that includes a slow-plotting offense with, uh, you know, this uh, ball control style offense and that, you know, Spencer Petrus is kind of like the perfect type of quarterback for a system. And, you know, I think for the most part, I've appreciated what Fritz has done in this, in this program. You know, he certainly has been created a program that we can all be proud of. But I think what has finally kind of tipped me over is this, this whole thing with Brian Ferentz and then just gaslighting us. We all know what's going on and, and they're just standing up there acting like absolutely nothing is, is, is the problem. My only point, I guess, was just to say, I, I feel like, I feel very sad. I'm not, I'm not angry as much as I am sad. I feel like this, this just has so much reminds me of the Bobby Bowden, the end of the Bobby Bowden era 
And I have a feeling that this is how we're going to remember. This is how we're going to remember Ferenc is going down, kicking and screaming and, and pretending that nothing's wrong. So anyway, that's, that's, that's all I had to say is, um, you know, it saddens me. I appreciate what Hawkeye Howard and other guys have had to say. Um, and I don't know where it goes from here. I, I kind of disagree with you. I think Brian will be the OC next year and Petrus will be the starting quarterback because I don't know what better things that they would have going on than their deal right now. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope things change. I'm, and I'm just assuming that someone, someone, whether it be Brian, Kirk, Gary, donors, someone steps up and does something. That's what I'm assuming that someone, because they're not all, you know, there's going to be some people that don't, but I would hope that one of those, in, you know, either groups of people or individuals will do something. I feel like That's it'll have thing. to, I feel like it'll have to be Brian stepping down himself. I honestly do because yeah, Ferenc is a stubborn guy. Ferenc has been this stubborn. I mean, go back. Here's a trivia question for you, Corey. Mm-hmm. When was the last time Ferenc fired a coach on his staff that he was friends with? That's other a great than, other yeah. than um, Doyle. And that was for other reasons, but he hasn't. He's never fired a coordinator. Yeah, that's that's a good question. That's it's. I mean, I, I don't doubt your your accuracy on that. And, I, um, and, and I'm sa- and I'm sad for Brian too because he was a great player for us, great player, and he's gonna he's not gonna be remembered well. <laughs> so, well, I, I appreciate your call, Micah, and uh, I think what you said res- I can tell from the chat it's resonating with a lot of people. So uh, I appreciate your perspective. Okay, thanks, Corey. Have a good night. Appreciate it, sir. All right. Um, Murder Blaze, who's on hold, please tell me in the private chat what your name is and where you're calling from. So I know who I'm talking to before I put you on the air. Again, please let me know, Murder Blaze, if you're waiting to come on here, where you are and uh, where where you're calling from. Two things, your name and where you're calling from. Let's get uh, Vincent added in here. Vincent, you've been on hold a long, long time. Welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, I'm a... I'm a loyal Hawkeye homer, Corey. I think you kind of know me by now. I'm not just going to duck off that quick, but I'm going to, I know you're wrapping up. Um, Before you you go on, Vincent, the callers have been bringing it tonight. Oh yeah. I've listened to everybody and everybody's making great points as far as uh, one thing that stand or stands out to me is um, that I uh, completely agree with. And I hope does happen is I do hope that Brian's got the integrity to um, step down himself um, as a coach, realizing he's just not getting the job done, but I don't know. I don't foresee it happening, but I hope he does. Yeah, I, I that's kind of what I guess. Again, just knowing that uh, he had looked around and maybe leave during this past offseason. Boy, now, if, if he was concerned about his dad's legacy last year, he's even more concerned now. Yeah, I, one of the previous callers, I think maybe it was Ryan or somebody else, brought up the point of, Brian ruining Kirk's legacy, but Kirk has a hand in that as well. We can't let him. He's ruining himself. Right. It's not a matter. I'm not. And I'm not saying he's ruining it. I'm saying he's doing it himself. Yes. He's doing whatever he's doing. If it's if he, if he's in the process of starting to tarnish that legacy, and look, the legacy was tarnished in 2020 with some of the offseason issues. Right. I, I think it was tarnished when he promoted Brian to be the OC. It was tarnished when. He promoted him as the QB's coach, but now as you continue, here's where the damage could be done, and he's still got an opportunity to, to make a decision. I mean, imagine if Kirk were to relieve his son of his duties. I mean, that may not go over well in the Ferentz household, but 
a lot of fans would be applauding Kirk's decision, and that would that would help Kirk's legacy. And honestly, Brian will be okay. He does, does he need the money? I mean, I think he can, again, assuming the lawsuit doesn't hang over Brian's head for years, I don't think it will. I think eventually it will get a resolution there. He'll be hireable somewhere. Right. No, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, or the one thing I wanted to say, uh, or two things, I'm just going to try to make it quick for you. I know a lot of fans are thinking that there's going to be some kind of epiphany and that, that, you know, hopefully there's a change or maybe it's if we change our quarterback and go to, and I like Labus as well, but that's not our, our problem. It's like you said before in previous podcasts, it's a multitude of things. Um, it's not going to be one specific thing. There has to be a change at OC. There's no other remedy. Absolutely none. Nothing else is going to fix our problem besides changing who our offensive coordinator is and, you know, Kirk kind of, you know, pro, or pulling his head out of the proverbial, you know what, to make sure that he's getting that job done because he's making him for, and that's the most disheartening thing is you have a head coach who is revered throughout the state of Iowa for what he's done um, for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And yet this is the culmination. This is really the lasting impression that you're going to leave with, with fans is, is this kind of, or, or just this picture of what's going on with your offense and how you went from at least the last 20 we'll say 20 years of having a a workable offense to this i mean this is really your it's just if that's the, the most baffling part to me but my the thing i wanted to say is a lot of folks are thinking that um there's going to be a uh, you know or hopefully there's going to be a change or there's going to be some kind of resolution it's not going to happen kirk's not going to fire i don't foresee him ever uh, uh relieving brian of his duties but here's what i see happening is at some point and this is throughout college football or the landscape of college football, boosters um, and administrators are eventually going to step in, regardless of how much pull and weight KF has behind him. At some point, somebody's going to make a decision, whether it's boosters putting pressure on the Iowa administration or the Iowa administration themselves saying, look, we've just had enough. And I just, I feel at some point that's going to happen. That's the only resolution that I see at this juncture, because I don't see Unless Brian just steps down himself, somebody else or boosters are going to step in and say, look, we just we can't take this crap anymore. We just we can't. And if you've seen it other places, TCU. Um, oh, I'm having a brain fart right now uh, where prominent coaches have been. It's happened elsewhere. And I'll turn it over to you, Corey. I just know that uh, Vincent, I just know that there are examples i can tell you i'm not going to say who these people are um but I, I know personally of examples of big donors who are very very unhappy right now and have voiced their frustrations to the university so that you're right i mean that's just common sense right if if we're unhappy the people who are given money are eventually going to be even more unhappy um so you know you're right that that will there will be a resolution eventually um if somehow every level of because the whole theme of this show was um what is the theme of this show <laughs> who, who who takes ownership right who takes ownership that's the theme of this show and honestly it, it does it starts with it's not spencer petrus i mean it's it's it starts with with brian ference and if he fails to um take ownership then it it goes to kirk and yep. he's obviously failing right now to to and I'm not saying he doesn't ownership. What I mean by ownership, I'm not saying you're you're saying, "Well, I'm accountable." The buck stops with me. We've heard people say that. No, who's going to actually step up and 
make a change. And you can maybe argue that Kirk isn't allowing Brian to make changes. I don't buy that for a second, but I know some people have thrown that out there. So if it's not Brian, then it's Kirk. If it's not Kirk, then it's Gary. And if it's not Gary, it's the the board of regents and the president. And look, look, if nobody's willing to make changes there from an administration level, then yeah, it comes down to donors and they will eventually stop. And season ticket, there will be season ticket holders. If this continues, there will be season ticket holders, plenty of season ticket holders that will not come to games and not renew. I think the fear from fans is that may take some time. And they're afraid that uh, this could go on for a couple more years because of the immunity that, that Kirk has built up. Um, how much does that affect how the administration deals with his son? And that's the problem with nepotism. Yeah. And um, the, the boosters have way more of an effect than some people might realize. But the biggest um, or the most obvious thing that's out there is when everybody else sees it and the fan base sees it, and yes, as well as the boosters see it, and then administration and the president sees it, but yet the your own head coach is so dead set in his ways that he can't make a change to save his own rear end. That's the most baffling part to me. It's such an obvious fix and an obvious step that needs to be taken in replacing Brian, and you just don't do it. It's That's the part that's the most frustrating. And I understand it's your son. But then you have to have a conversation with him saying this is or this just isn't working out. It's not uh, we're not getting the job done or we're not getting the job done from your position. We have to go in a different direction. But I want to give you the opportunity to step down yourself, go to a different role. But even that still hasn't happened. So that's what I mean by um, at some point, somebody else is going to step in and say, look, you've had every opportunity to try to rectify this or uh, come up with a resolution and you just haven't done it. And lastly, Corey. My biggest fear with this, um, with the the trending downward that we have at Iowa, is recruiting. And you know as well as I do, recruits, um, they look at where the program is headed, um, what type of impact that they're going to have in that program. We have a, a Caden Proctor. We have two or, two or three high-rated linemen that right now I'm actually nervous that if these guys are going to flip and go somewhere else, because you look at Trevor Lauk has offers from Ohio state. And I can't recall if he's an Illinois or an Ohio kid, but, um, and then we have Caden Proctor, who is an Iowa kid, but has Alabama offer uh, right behind ours. Are we at risk of losing these guys? And that's what scares me to death. I could, um, let me just, let me just say this, Vincent, they need yeah. to keep recruiting. They need to keep recruiting Caden Proctor hard. I'll just yes. say that. Yep. Absolutely. And I know he's a lineman. I know that's what we're, we're kind of known for, but well, if you don't, if you can't, uh, if, if Alabama's, Alabama is producing plenty of linemen too. No, absolutely. And that's my point is if you can't yeah. rectify the issue that you have now, it's not just going to impact you as a coach and the, the staff that you have now, but it's going to impact the recruits that you have coming in. And we have a good handful that are high rated guys that are going to start looking elsewhere um, if things still uh, are continuing to tread downward. And not only that, but even the players that we have, we've already seen it last year with players transferring out. Um, a previous caller brought up a very good point. Uh, Charlie Jones went through camp and then was like, yo, this is just, I see where this is going. I'm bouncing. And he left. You're going to see the same thing this next year. Um, and we don't have a whole lot of skilled players left, but if you look at a Keegan Johnson or not, and yeah, Keegan Johnson, um, even in Arlen Bruce, guys that are uh, have the talent to go and play elsewhere, we're going to run the same risk of losing them as well as their recruits. Um, just want to say thank you, Corey. I absolutely um, 
uh, or absolutely love the Wednesday night program because it gives guys like us, us homers, as you like to call us, a chance to call in just to, to talk and chat. Greatly appreciate it. I know you want to move on to the next one. So um, appreciate the time as always, Corey. Thank you, Vincent. Appreciate the call, sir, as always. And again, callers, you guys have brought it this evening and appreciate uh, appreciate everybody who has been here throughout the show. Um, and I've been teasing this special announcement for a while now. We, we do have uh, Murder Blaze and Ben, who's uh, been in the chat. Let's uh, let's get to uh, Murder Blaze, who's been waiting on hold for a while. How's it going, sir? Hey, can you hear me? I can. Okay. All right. Uh, I had a couple of things that I wanted to ask. Uh, I don't know if you're... What's your name and where are you calling from, sir? Uh, my name is Aegis. I'm calling from California. I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm from Ohio, but uh, I'm stationed okay. out here in California. So, Okay. All right. Uh, so I don't know if you remember yesterday, I think it was, uh, on the Mark Rogers show. I left a couple of super chats, uh, but I couldn't really like uh, express my opinion fully because there's limited characters and whatnot. But uh, what I brought up yesterday was, uh, uh, is Spencer Petras the problem? Or is Brian Ferentz, who is the OC and QB coach, the one that's ruined the QB room? Uh, essentially, I, I think that regardless of who you guys, who you put in, I think that he's done a poor job at developing those QBs. So regardless of who he puts in, I feel like the product's still going to be the same because he's not done his job. Well, I, let me t- I'll take exception and just debate you back and forth here for a second because I think you're right. There's no question I was not developed quarterbacks well. Let's also remember this is the first year Brian Ferentz has been in charge of the quarterbacks room, and this was technically Ken O'Keefe's job last year. But uh, you're right. Uh, I don't expect anybody on the in this QB room to light the world on fire. However, there's no debating the fact that even when Iowa was struggling with development over the years of that position – there were some candidates that were better than others. C.J. Beathard was the best Iowa had. He's had a nice career in the NFL as a backup. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Ricky Stanzi was we're going back a ways, but he was really productive in 2009 and 2010, although he struggled with picks in 09. And Nate Stanley, I mean, it, the guy produced certainly better than anything Iowa has now. So my only reason to continue to advocate for a quarterback change is, as I've said on many occasions in the past, you, you don't know what you have as it relates to, I don't want to call him a gamer because we did see Padilla last year and it didn't appear that he had that that natural Chuck Hartley-esque uh, gamer mentality where you just step up when the lights are on. But that doesn't mean somebody might not be better than they are in practice and you're not going to know that until these guys see the field. So that's my only thing. You're right. I don't have confidence that any of the guys in the current roster at Iowa are going to make this quarterback room just go from you know, the total offense being 131st in the country to 31st, but maybe you get a, a bit of a bump, right? We're just looking for some improvement. What what more can you do during the season? You can't go to the transfer portal and grab a guy right now. I mean, yeah, that that's right. And that's understandable. Like I can understand that. I was just mulling it around. Cause you know, a lot of people are going after Spencer Petrus and you know, it, it's not like he's making the choice out there. And then obviously he is what he is. And I've, I know there's been a lot of talk about him, whether or not he's going to come back next year. I, I don't think that's in his cards at all. I, I feel like he's done at this point because he sees all the, the, the vitriol and whatnot on social media. He's on social media, so he's going to see it. He's going to see all the hate, all the backlash and all that. Why would you want to come back to that? It's going to be my thought process of, of that. But 
I I agree with you on that. I, I don't think he'll come back for for a number of reasons, but I've I've made predictions on what will happen with this offense and personnel and whatnot, and I've been dead wrong. So I, I, I who knows? But I do. I agree with you. I don't think he'll come back. But outside of that, I'm also looking at you know I'm a college football fan as well. Uh, obviously, I'm an Ohio State fan, but I look at the whole college football picture. I like to watch all the games and whatnot. But like I'm looking at something that's like a prevailing problem throughout college football is fan bases and administrations thinking they can't do better than what they have. So they sit there and they stay with a coach. And my thought process is where is the drive for that, that administration and the fan base to, to do better, to see better, to, to achieve better. Because if you're not pushing for that, how are you ever going to achieve that? If you're you're fine with going nine and five or ten and two every single year, when when are you ever going to push the envelope to you know achieve a championship? You know, win a Big Ten. He's only won the Big Ten. Like Kirk Ferentz has only won the Big Ten twice in his entire tenure. He's been here twenty years. Wisconsin's been how many coaches have they been? What, what, four. Five? And how many times have they won the big, at least been to the Big Ten ch- championship game or, you know, played a part in trying to win a Big Ten championship? Fair point. Fair point. I, don't, I can't argue with any of that. And the two uh, titles that Kirk did win were shared titles, you know, in, in what, 2002 and uh, 2004. Uh, so exactly. No, th- that those are all fair points, and uh, there are there is a segment of the fan base. I know you're not an Iowa fan, but uh, there is a segment of the fan base that is fed up with what they call mediocrity and being content with being mediocre. I don't think winning eight to ten games is being mediocre. I think mediocre is like six and six every year. But you're right with the defense that Iowa has, and we talked about the coordinators at special teams and and on the defensive end right now. Um, this that's what the frustration with most of the fans is right now because y- you are elite at two of the three units that are necessary to to uh, win titles and Iowa can't even be average in the third they can't even right now they're not even bad they're terrible uh, at least last year they were bad and so they were carried to at least the West Division title with those are two elite units. Now they have two elite units and a terrible offense, and it's just too much to overcome. So, no, you're right. I mean, you, you have a good perspective on it, and uh, Iowa fans, Iowa is unique in the fact that they've had two coaches over the past 43 years, and there's a feeling with the program that I don't think is necessarily accurate. I'm not advocating for Kirk to be fired, but the idea that Iowa couldn't attractive, could, couldn't attract, I can tell it's getting late, couldn't attract a big-time coach or potentially be, I know they're not a USC and they're never going to be a USC or an Ohio State, but be able to raise the bar recruiting, I think that's I think that's a, a bit um, unfair to the program and to the fan base because I do think Iowa is a place that can be very attractive to both coaches and recruits. I, I agree with that, that sentiment. <laughs> uh, just real quick, your opinion. Like, take out 20, uh, 2020 obviously the weird year, 2021, and then this year. How do you think uh, Kirk Ferentz's tenure over, what, 1999 is when he got hired, right? So throughout that time, how do you think that tenure has gone? How do I think it's gone since 1999? 
1999 to what 2019? Yeah. To 2019. Yeah. Just taking out the the last three years, 2020 being the weird year, uh, 2021 and 2022 obviously being what they are. Well, if you take out these last, well, I mean, even last year was at least a West Division title. Um, Kirk Ferentz is going to go down as maybe the best coach in Iowa history. I mean, Hayden Fry and uh, certainly Forrest Evashevsky have a, a, a claim to stake there. But uh, um, Iowa, I mean, Kirk Ferentz has helped to make this program a stable, competitive football team almost every year, with the exception being like 06 and. I mean, heck, they weren't. Or excuse, actually, excuse me. Oh seven. I mean, really, oh seven was the bad year. Oh, um, well, two thousand twelve was terrible, and now twenty twenty two. But uh, I mean, the stability is what Iowa has built. What, what Kirk Ferentz has helped to achieve here. Do you think that? Well, I mean, we already discussed this, so there's no point in asking that question. Uh, I think I got the answer on that. I just, I don't know. To me, I feel like. You know, I'm seeing like multiple years of, you know, six and six, nine and four, you know, 12 and two. Like, OK, it's 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 been up and down to me. And I feel like at some point it's like we can do better. I understand. And uh, a lot of people also agree. with the especially if, if the recruiting's an issue, because we have schools that have significant, significantly high uh, academic standards than any one of our schools and those schools are finding ways to get it done and put a presentable product on the field every year. They may not be winning the championship every year, but they're competing for it. They're, they're right there, maybe one year and they'll re, uh, refresh and try to get back there the next year and whatnot. But it seems like it's, it's, it's hills and valleys with, with Iowa. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can't, I can't disagree. That's all I got. I, I'll let you get on to the next caller. I appreciate your call, sir. Call in again sometime. All right, appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, let's add Ben, who's been patiently waiting. Ben, uh, I know you're a Michigan fan, but you've been uh, apparently you like the show because you've been on hold for quite some time. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I've enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. The callers are amazing tonight, and. I was ca- I was actually calling to talk about one thing, but you guys, the way you guys have been talking about this coaching situation with uh, Brian Ferentz and your quarterback and the offense, it's it. I mean, I'm completely interested in it. I'm like, I'm stuck. <laughs> I miss um one thing. I my opinion from a Michigan standpoint, and from a you know not from an you know I can look at it without the emotion that you you uh, Iowa you and I love Iowa fans actually I'm a big I mean Iowa fans they they tend to be the more realistic fans to in my opinion at least from what I've seen um than most other fan bases so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out shout out to the Iowa fans because I, I really like the fan base and uh I I like the way they support their team but what I'm what I was thinking from just kind of piggybacking off your conversation with the last caller, I, I, I don't completely agree with where he was going as far as making here. Here's where I look at Iowa and I look at your fan base and 
I, I'm looking at what your maybe your possible expectations are. But I also can say from experience as a Michigan fan, it could be a lot worse. You know how long it's been not – I mean, if you take last year out of the – before last year, you know how long it's been since Michigan uh, has won a Big Ten title? I think Iowa's got a couple in there before Michigan. When's the last time Michigan won a title? I think in I think 2004, 2005. I know it was it was it was it's since um since uh we had Lloyd Carr. Yeah, they share it, exactly. they share it with Iowa in 04. Something yeah, probably maybe in 04 with Iowa. That's probably the last. And you guys have done a lot better as far as making it making it to uh making it to a title game or or even winning it probably you guys probably before last year that is probably were more current in uh big 10 big 10 uh title win yeah i uh, that's and, a fair point and here's but the thing michigan did go to the you guys i mean michigan did go to the college football playoff last year so yeah yeah but that was just last year but you know how long we've waited and this is the thing i mean and i don't mean to disrespect no disrespect to iowa but Iowa is not Michigan as far as as far as I mean Michigan is one of the most dominant uh football college uh, college football teams there is I mean their expectation has always been I mean the we're the we have more win the winning this football program in college football just lost the per, uh, winning percentage and here we had to suffer through we made a coach change and that's where we ended up for, you know, it took us till we got hardball to get back. You're not so the only, I, I don't agree not- with what, what it's saying. Cause it can, you can fall. And I, one thing I like about Iowa is they have, you guys have a identity with Kirk Ferentz. You guys have a defense of identity that you could lose if you switch coaches. So I don't for a second disagree with you that, uh, I've, and I've never advocated for for Kirk Ferentz to be fired, but um, you you have to admit that the situations are different. Lloyd, I had this discussion with a different uh, Michigan fan the other day. The situation is different because Lloyd Carr's downfall was not nepotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what Kirk's downfall is. the The issue is now the direction of the program is, is in a very well. It's it's a very um, dangerous position i produced a video a few weeks ago on this i mean it, it, they're, they're in a dangerous position because kirk is left with few options um you, you know it's not an easy change to bring in somebody who's an offensive mind because what do you do with your son who you've promoted from within mm-hmm. so i i i understand the comparison i've never advocated for kirk ferentz to be fired but um you, you have to admit that you're kind of putting yourself above the program when you hire and then promote your son to a position that he's not qualified for, that's called nepotism. And that's why (laughs) it's against, uh, I think it's, well, it's against university policy, right? But it's unethical. Yeah. And that's what fans have a right to be upset with Kirk for that. Yeah. I mean, you, that's the banks don't allow people with this, this employees of the same, uh, you know, like lawyers that are related to be in the same branch. And it's, I mean, you know, it's called a conflict of interest. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, not that 
it can't work out in football. Not that it's exactly the same as maybe a financial institute or something like that. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, but one thing I, I, I think about when I look at Iowa and, you know, like people, you know, Kirk Ferentz is, uh, you know, not just the nepotism, but he's also, you know, he's also been called, you know, stubborn and that's true, but you guys ran the same in and Harbaugh just mentioned that, uh, recently in the post, uh, pre, uh, pre Iowa game that you guys ran the same system for how many years, 20 years now but you've been successful doing that. And the thing is, I think when I look at Iowa and I look at everybody's talking about the quarterback development, what does quarterback development mean in this system? Well, there's not much going on. There's not much of it going happening. But what is your offense? When I look at Iowa, they're a, they're a, they're a offense of managing. You don't, they're, they're, their offense is designed to just manage the clock. The whole scheme is 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 ball control and management, field position, and we'll beat you with our defense. I mean, that's that's been I from you know what I've seen, that's been Iowa's MO. So for one, what kind of kids are you gonna recruit or gonna want to recruit to a quarter as a quarterback in that system? I, I haven't watched NFL lately, but I don't I, I haven't watched, actually don't watch NFL anymore, but I, I don't, from what I've seen of it, limited, I don't think that they're running those types of offenses. Well, Ben, let me, let me throw this in there and I uh, do need to let you go. Cause I, okay. I've been on here for like two and a half hours. I got to get some shut eye, but let me just say this in response to your question about development. Let me bring up a guy who I've said on this show before was interested in the Iowa job, the Iowa quarterback job back in the spring prior to Brian Ferentz officially being hired and that was Randy Hedberg, who is the uh, quarterback, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach up at North Dakota State. And as I said at the time, he was interested in the job here. Iowa never entertained it. And you talk about, well, Iowa's a tough place to attract quarterbacks to. Well, North Dakota State, uh, I understand it's a very successful program, but they they have produced Carson, since Randy Hedberg has been the coach there, Carson Wentz, they have produced Easton Stick, uh, Trey Lance and those guys were zero a zero star recruit in there, a two star recruit and a three star recruit. So my point is, if you can't recruit, you better have somebody who can develop. You can't be a program that struggles to recruit quarterbacks and also at the same time be a program that can't develop quarterbacks. That's yeah. a recipe for disaster. And I was figured out a way to be good enough at quarterback most years to still be competitive year in and year out. However. Now we're seeing with a coordinator who is not very good at, at calling plays, who clearly is in over his head and is worse at developing quarterback. I, don't, I mean, this is his first year, so I don't know you give him. Spencer Petrus is the same guy he was last year with Ken O'Keefe. But my point is, I'd much rather have Ken O'Keefe developing guys than Brian Ferentz. My, you can't have those those two things together or you're, you're brewing up a recipe for disaster and Better be fortunate that you've had the defense and special teams units you've had for so many years under multiple coordinators because it's uh that's that's the point. So you need to go get somebody like Randy Hedberg who can develop your guys if you're gonna if you're gonna go with this system with game managers at quarterback and you're gonna you know you're gonna struggle to recruit the big names and get somebody who can develop them into NFL talent like Randy yeah. Hedberg. Yeah, yeah. No, I and I actually my point wasn't even to 
you know, my point wasn't to that. Will, yeah, I wasn't making the point that I'm not making excuses for your the for for the quarterback the quarterbacks um, situation because I I, th- I think I think and I, and I don't even blame Brian Ferentz even where the quarterback because I think you guys could have did as far as like what quarterback you have or quarterback talent because and that I think that's on Kurt you guys did not I mean take advantage of the transfer portal. And I don't think that mentality is there. And maybe, maybe they'll be, maybe they will learn from it this season. But they're they're not quick to change, you know. And they've proved that. But that's your that's the identity there. And that's kind of one of the that's kind of the kind of the point that I was making. Uh, and that's where I was kind of getting. And I'm just gonna just before I, I'm just gonna just kind of try to wrap up as quick as I can. What I was, you know, I. I what do you foresee for a change for Iowa? Do you, cause I don't, I mean, I don't think you see, I don't think you see Brian Ferentz going anywhere um, without Kirk stepping down or Kirk retiring. If there's pressure on Kirk to get to, to fire Brian or demote Brian, I think you, you, you've mentioned it before. I think you think Kirk's gonna, uh, would, would retire. Do you, I, I mean, is that where I mean? Is that what you're? What do you think the fan base wants? Would they rather have Kirk step down and 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 leave the program and not have Brian there? Is that the sacrifice? Would you make that sacrifice? I mean, what do you think most, the fan base would? And what do you think? How do you feel personally? I can't speak for all fans, but I I would like to think that most fans would first want a change at OC. They don't want to see Kirk fired. Now, some people do, but I think most fans would prefer to see Brian gone and for Kirk to actually hire somebody with an offensive mind, not a buddy, not a friend, not a son, not a daughter, not a son-in-law. No, hire somebody who's qualified. But I, because- I, and I understand that, but I mean, what I'm, what I'm trying to get is if you have to chew one or the other, I mean, cause does it seem realistic that you're going to actually well, one or the other? That? What if, if you have to get, most- you have, if you have to choose between the Ferentz is being gone or Ferentz is staying, what would you pick? Because ideally you want your offense to be better because your defense is not just top. How long I you guys have been a top, top 10 defense for how long? Probably forever since Kirk Ferentz has been there. Have you ever been out of the top 10? Well, they've, they've been out of the top 10, but they've been really good year in and year yeah. out. So, so let me, let me wrap this up with this, Ben. I've said it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And this should answer your question. If I'm Gary Barta, I am telling Kirk, Kirk, we love you. We want you to be our coach moving forward, but either you get rid of Brian or we get rid of you. We don't want to do that. We love you. You've given a lot to the program, but you have to make a move. Either you have to move Brian, figure out a way, but there's no future with him as the OC. And so then if Kirk were to say, no, I'm not doing that, Gary, then Kirk has one of two options. Either he can step down or the administration fires him. Now, will that happen? No. Gary will not fire Kirk Ferentz, nor should he. I mean, I don't want him to fire him, but there's a process here. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying if the arrogance got to that point, then yeah, I think I can speak for myself. I would rather 24 years into a coaching regime, I'd rather move on because the head coach is no longer putting the program first. He's putting his family first. Mm Mm-hmm. So I look at it, I look at it like, so if that does happen, you guys could end up in a worse situation than just keeping him and Ferentz, 
you know, okay. and well, so, so are you willing to take that chance three and too? three this year? They're the worst. They have the worst offense in the country. They're three and three. They have the worst offense in the country. So you don't know how bad it could get. It could get worse. It could get worse. Yeah. You, well, it could it, get better. Could get worse than 131. But I'm just saying results on the field can get worse. Yes, because they, they had a weak schedule last year and the Big Ten West is down right now. What happens when the Big Ten West gets better and you have a tough schedule? They're three and yeah. three this year with a game against Ohio State on the, on the docket. So yeah. I would I'm love just, to have this conversation with you earlier. And I know I know you got to get uh, I know you're you're it's late. and But yeah. I, I, I mean, I understand. I just when I look at it, I can look at it on emotionally, but I, I also look at it from from the standpoint of, it. you know, it's not always the best situation to, you know, I, I don't see the situation being the best of both worlds. What I think Iowa fans would want it to be. I think they want I don't see it being that way. And I, I don't think that's a realistic way of looking at it is we I don't I don't see Brian going anywhere. Or if he does, I don't see. I, I see. I see Kirk going there. To, going too. I appreciate your perspective, Ben. <laughs> All right, man. I'll catch you later. Anyways, I, it, it was it was nice talking to you, Corey. Have a good night, man. Appreciate it, sir. You too. All right, folks. I've been teasing this special announcement for uh, long enough, and um, we've got some rapid fire questions in the chat, and I'm going to be making this announcement. I promise. In just moments, uh, our final. Brief, brief, brief commercial break and then a special announcement here about programming the future here from the Hawkeye of the Storm involving, you guessed it, men's basketball. We'll be right back. You may have heard of the real-life Hawkeye man cave known as Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Well, after lots of hard work, there's not much space left to paint, but the walls are exploding out for public consumption. Under the Kitchen is proud to announce that you can now purchase exclusive prints of some of your favorite Hawkeye legends, including wrestling great Spencer Lee, football players Arlen Bruce, Riley Moss, and Tavian Banks, plus an all-in-one Murray family legacy print featuring Keegan, Chris, and Kenyon Murray himself. Signed and unsigned prints are available, making the perfect collectible or gift for any Hawkeye enthusiast. For more information on purchasing one of these outstanding Hawkeye prints, visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook. That's Under the Kitchen on Facebook. So Under the Kitchen on Facebook, Randy Engel, appreciate his support um, throughout the past uh, number of months and uh, moving forward, certainly helping the channel to continue in its growth here, uh, trying to help spread the... uh, well, not spread the, we're not we're not here to spread the uh, the Hawkeye fandom, but we are here to give people a voice and to uh, sound off on Iowa football, Iowa basketball, and Iowa athletics. So the special announcement I've been teasing for long enough. Uh, I just want to let everybody know that uh, for the second straight year, we will. And I see Ryan ruined it in the chat. I'm not just getting, just giving you a hard time, Ryan. You didn't ruin it. Um, for the second straight year, we'll be joined by Coach Gary Close for the 2022-2023 men's basketball season. I am ecstatic about this news, and I know maybe some people assume this was going to happen, but this was not an assumption on my part. Um, very, very excited to welcome Coach Close back for Iowa post game. So, yes, if you're new to the channel, if you've joined in the past nine, well, what, eight months from before, um, or after, I should say, after the men's basketball season ended, 
We do uh, a live post-game show with Coach Close, very similar to our live show with Coach Patterson. Not nearly as long. (laughs) Not literally nearly as long. Too many games. I think I'd drive Coach Close crazy. But uh, I am pleased to announce that uh, Coach Close will be coming back for the second straight year. We'll be taking your calls, taking your chats, just like we did today and just like we do each and every Saturday with Coach Don Patterson. So more information coming, but we know Iowa basketball just weeks away. Iowa or a Big Ten Media Days was uh, this week in uh, Minneapolis. So stay tuned. More uh, on this news. And of course, uh, hope everybody's excited, as excited as I am. All right, let's go uh, rapid fire through the chat here. And I know there's somebody on hold before we get to our let's before we get to our caller. Real Hayden is this was a chat from a long time ago. I wanted to acknowledge, I guess there's a a punter at USC named Aiden Sleep Dalton. So I'm assuming he's probably related to Michael Sleep Dalton. Um, And I forgot about this caller who's on hold. I I apologize. Caller, I apologize for making you wait so long, but I promise I didn't forget you. Ultimately, appreciate you giving us a call and uh, what you got for us. Corey, you hear me? I can hear you. Hey, first of all, I want to apologize for not calling in after the Illinois game. I was out of state. I watched the Iowa game, and um, when I got back home, I went to sleep. I got up at 530 in the morning and watched the show and saw that uh, you and Don Patterson were attempting an (laughs) (laughs) all-nighter. And it looks like you're doing the same thing this evening, so I'll try to be brief. You're good. I'll try to stay with the topic here. But first sure. of all, I want to I want to thank you for quizzing Don Patterson. You were attempting to ask him uh, the same thing I had I had told you about contingency plans, and we saw it. Uh, I saw you exchanging with Don, going back and forth, trying to get him to answer it, but he didn't. Wait, 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 he didn't which, really which question are you talking about? That. The the you know uh, I had told you about Brian's inability to do contingency planning, which means, you know, preparing for certain situations on a field. We saw it with the um, goal line offense where they had, what, a fourth down and three to go to score, and they failed. That's because they didn't have any contingency plans prepared for that situation. When I'm talking about contingency plans, I'm talking about creating an offense for that situation. I would go to a wishbone, and I'd have Jack Gamble on offense. you got to plan for this kind of stuff. And then if you have uh, Iowa was backed up on the goal line, if you recall, they had a punt deep out of their end zone. They didn't have a contingency plan for that. What I mean by that is you have five plays, you know, that your offense practices for that situation. And those people go in and you call, you have names for that. That didn't happen in the Illinois game. We saw it. And then we had the ball where we needed to maintain control. They did make an effort, which surprised me, to, to attempt the field goal, even though they missed it. So they got within field goal range, and that's rare. Normally, Iowa will kneel down and just go in the locker room. And so I was pretty pretty stunned that you had the uh, where for all to ask Don, and I couldn't call in uh, after the game, or I would have called in and talked to him about that. And that's that's what I see as the main problem. But tonight, the topic is who takes ownership. And in my opinion, um, the the ownership for the football team is Kirk. That's obvious. Brian has to take ownership for the offense because he's a coordinator. Gary Barta has to take, you know, responsibility for all the coaches in the the Iowa program. 
And I think that um, there's two other people that really need to be involved, and that's the Iowa Board of Regents and um, the university president. And then the fifth, I would say, is the Iowa legislature. And um, I believe those five people need to take ownership. And I do believe there needs to be some sort of law passed against the university hiring family and preventing nepotism from occurring. And it's not just Kirk. I was upset when Todd Licklatter, you know, gave a scholarship to his son, and I don't think he could have played in my high school. Um, that's my opinion. I don't like that Connor and Patrick um, are uh, scholarship players on the basketball team. I didn't like it with, with Kirk having Brian and James on the team and getting the first scholarships. These guys make enough money that as walk-ons, you know, that would have really been good considering Kirk's always bragging about the walk-ons at Iowa. Well, there's other kids that, you know, probably should have gotten a scholarship. You don't give them to your kid. And, um, and, and even with brands and uh, the wrestling program, and I've heard other, you know, people, other coaches that have this going on. So that's who I think needs to take ownership. And I just think that that, nepotistic practice needs to stop because um it's really hurting iowa athletics overall and that's it yeah i mean that's all i i I, you know i may not totally agree with you on the whole giving scholarships i like patrick and connor are good enough to have scholarships can we agree on that i I don't say i don't say they shouldn't be playing for iowa i just say they wouldn't be guys that i put on scholarships. i get you look Corey. We had other guys in Iowa that were very good that didn't come to Iowa because they didn't think they were going to play in time because the coach's kids are on the team. And Joe Toussaint, you know, you know, has transferred, did the transfer portal immediately after Connor announced he was coming back. I, I just don't think that's healthy for Iowa basketball. I don't think that's good for the University of Iowa. Well, that's my person. I, I appreciate you calling in, and I'm not trying to argue with you. I don't agree with you on that because I do. Joe Toussaint was best friends with Patrick McCaffrey, so I, I really don't think. Yeah, no, I don't have a problem with that. But I Joe mean, Toussaint but left I because of. I, love. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just I get what you're saying. I do think there's an aspect of a scholarship is a is a sign of an it is an accomplishment, right, in and of itself, and so. Oh yeah, I mean. Corey, I mean, I mean, Connor was a great player at West High. So was Patrick, and I'm not saying they're not qualified to be on the Iowa team. I'm just saying I went the offering a scholarship when I'm the head coach, and I make that kind of money, and 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 have other players be passed over that maybe are as good or better. That's all. I, I understand. Think it's a good practice. No, I understand where you're I coming mean, from. Notre Dame, I mean, I I knew Kevin White well, and I mean, when he was AD at Notre Dame. You know, his his idea was, you know, they had they had coaches there and coaches' sons, and most of them encouraged them to play for someone else. There were some that did, and there were some that, that didn't. But they didn't give them scholarships. You know, I mean, they, they weren't the first people he offered and gave a scholarship to. So that, you know, I mean, um, I, I, I just think that's kind of wrong to give your son, you know, like I think Brian was the first guy that was, you know, commit it. And, and I get that. I mean, but there's been other people. I mean, I heard rumors about some of the stolen kids. I don't want to get into that on this program, but 
you know, their, their fathers were in their athletic department or whatever. And they, they were, you know, they were selected and other players were passed over that they were recruiting. And so, um, you know, that, that, that's kind of bad. You know, I think I get it. You know, they want to, they want to play where they're, you know, they want to play at Iowa. I get that. That's great. But, you know, just giving them a scholarship. There's some sort of policy about athletic departments, kids, you know, coaches, kids, you know, getting scholarships at Iowa. I mean, if they want to go to a different school and get a scholarship, great. But I don't think they should be given a scholarship to play. I respect your opinion, sir, and I, I do appreciate you giving me a call. And uh, feel like I said, feel free to call in any time, especially when Coach Patterson's here. Yeah, I will do that. I wanted, I wanted to, you know, but I didn't have your phone number, and no. I was out of state. And I, I, but I, when I got back, I listened, and you went late, and you're going late again. So I'll let you get some sleep. Well, I, I appreciate it, sir, and we'll, we'll talk again soon. See you, Corey. All right. Have a great night, sir. Absolutely. Appreciate, uh, appreciate everybody. I see Ben in the, in the chat. Sorry if I came across too strong. No, nah, you're good. You're good. Nobody, it's hard to come across too strong with me. I'm not going to, I am not going to, uh, hold a grudge against anybody and I respect different opinions and I'm happy to debate different opinions. So, uh, I want to go rapid fire in the chat here. Sam, is there any chance Brian is the OC after the season? There's a chance. I don't believe he will be. How that will transpire, we'll have to wait and see. Brandon, wasn't last year's 10-win season done with smoke and mirrors, Corey? Well, Kirk likes to refer back to it, but uh, certainly they won almost every game in the schedule. I think every game in the schedule in spite of the offense. The Maryland game, Iowa showed up offensively, but they also benefited from seven Iowa defense, the Iowa defensive turnovers. Rick, how long is Barta's contract? That I don't know. Great Google question, Rick. Um, I, I'm just not sure, but he's got to be getting. I don't know how old Gary Bart is, but boy, I think he'd be done by 2029 as well. BJ, did anyone ask Brian about him laughing to Petrus after the interception? I don't believe that was asked, BJ. I thought the same thing, though. I don't know why it wasn't. Mike says, I got uh, 3810 Ohio State over Iowa. I'm going to call out Mike for a second. I know he's a avid listener to our show, and I know he's a Michigan fan, and I have no problem with that. But Mike, you made a comment earlier on the channel. I'll quote this for everybody. I was we were talking about Petra, uh, Padilla transferring, and Mike responded to transfer where when your resume includes not good enough to beat out Petrus, probably not a lot of suitors. Mike, what you just said loses you credibility because you are basically endorsing the Brian and Kirk. Um, impl- basically, you're endorsing Brian and Kirk's opinions that. Uh, Spencer is clearly better than Alex, and and just because he was beaten out here by Spencer, beaten out here, does not mean he couldn't go somewhere and be successful. Now, is he a Big Ten quarterback? Probably not somewhere else, but I I don't I'm not going to make that statement about Alex Padilla without seeing the twenty twenty two version of Padilla. Char, uh, I'll debate this with Charles too. He says uh, FCS D two D three players will be grateful for an Iowa offer. Will be less prone to being prima donnas. Kirk Ferentz wouldn't want a Caleb Williams. Well, Charles. Shame on Kirk Ferentz if you don't want Caleb freaking Williams. I I understand where you're coming from. And yes, there's examples of guys who make themselves bigger than other programs. But Caleb Williams is doing great things with USC, as is Adrian Martinez at K-State, as is Michael Penix at Washington right now. The transfer portal can work, and it is working for a lot of teams. Lemansky. 
Keegan Johnson sitting out, saving himself a year of eligibility. There are rumors there. I, I'm not going to get into the rumors because they are just rumors. I just hope we'll see Keegan again this year. That's all I can say. Joshua, opinion on what's the upside to starting Alex Padilla? Well, it was a bad, bad PR move by Brian, and I will not be shocked to see Alex leave. How much does Alex desire to be a starting quarterback? We'll find that out here in the coming months. Michael, Keegan Johnson, we addressed that. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, you're not a premium subscriber. He's talking about the perks of being a, a premium YouTube member. One of the perks is Corey will personally massage your feet. That's not the case. Don't trust him in this. No, that's not the case. I'm not massaging anybody's feet. But you become a premium subscriber, hit the join button. And Jeffrey, I'm waiting for you to hit that join button. Uh, Jeff says, is it possible the change for next year will not include dismissing Kirk or Brian, but to send the message that they would not accept Spencer back and that Alex is not in their plans either, possibly the portal. I think Brian is gone, Jeff. I've said that uh, one way or the other. I think he will not be returning as the OC. Maybe he gets demoted to a different position, but obviously some things would have to happen there personnel-wise. Um, but anything's possible, and I do think there's a better chance Iowa goes into the portal at quarterback next season. Billy, Billy Tuesday, if Iowa wins only one game more, one more game this year, will they make a change? I would have to think so. That would make them four and Eight, yeah, there's going to be a change. At a, I would have to think uh, in the offensive coaching staff, specifically Brian, if that's the case. Appreciate the super chat from Kyle. No good offensive recruits or transfers until a Kirk or Barta prove they're committed to change. Appreciate Kyle and the super chat and for uh, jumping on and being the uh, newest premium subscriber here to the channel. Lemansky with a super chat. Thank you, Lemansky. I put the football office number in the chat that I use. Super chat would not let me put it there. Listen. If you're interested in calling the university, just Google the number, folks. You can Google the University of Iowa, call the athletics office, and it's not that hard to find. Cole, appreciate the super chat from Cole. What Brian said about Joey Labus was worse, in my opinion. Yeah, not real flattering about Joey either. Not saying he wasn't being honest, but uh, not real flattering and wouldn't be shocked about either one leaving at the end of the year. Hawkeye Howard, what's the big announcement? Hopefully I covered that earlier. Coach Gary Close returning for the 22-23 season. Bear Wolf Uncle says, uh, this is a good question. Great question from Bear Wolf Uncle. Who would you want or can be the interim OCQBs coach if Brian Ferentz got fired? Uh, number one on the list, even though I'm not saying I want him to be the full-time OC moving forward, but the logical choice here, right? Anyone? Anyone? I want to take a, cho- uh, a shot. Who's the most logical choice to serve as the interim in the crazy case that Brian Ferentz gets relieved of his duties during the season? Anybody want to take a stab at this? To me, it's overwhelmingly obvious. Anybody in the chat? Anybody at all? Clock's ticking. I'm not saying anything. All right. It's Ken O'Keefe. <laughs> it's Ken O'Keefe. The guy is still being paid. The guy is still being paid. We forget this. He was the OC for how long? He literally was coaching quarterbacks last year. It's Ken O'Keefe. You bring him back as the as the OC for the, on an interim basis, and uh, you you move forward. I mean, look, they would have you know Bud Myers there. I mean, heck, Don Patterson would do it. That'd probably be their best option, but they won't do that. They will not bring Don back. Um, but Ken O'Keefe is the logical choice. Phil Parker's paw. Could you ask Brian Ferentz why he's so arrogant? Probably won't ever ask him that question specifically, but uh, appreciate the comment. Ari Gold, can you do a poll on the live stream and ask questions? Do you know how to do that? Um, not sure I'll look into that, though. Uh, I saw you ask that earlier, Ari Gold, so I will 
look into that. All right. I think we're all caught up. Reminder to follow me on Twitter at from the Hawkeye on Twitter. You can also like the Facebook page from the Hawkeye of the storm on Facebook. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me bottom line there. You'll see the, the email address from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. Great reach with our post game show and all of our programming here from the eye of the storm at outlook.com please share the show out on social media if you're enjoying it others will as well i always steal that line from mark rogers but it certainly rings true if you haven't subscribed here already please do so uh hit the like button on your way out that's much appreciated you can donate to the channel by venmo cash app paypal find the links for each donate option in the description below I mentioned uh, our our exciting announcement, Coach Gary Close returning for the 22-23 season. But just keep it locked here because more great basketball coverage on the horizon in the coming days as we count down the days till Iowa basketball. Uh, Seeing if I missed anything else, of course, if you want to become a premium member, I've been talking about that relentlessly, hit the join button and um, you can uh, see some perks and uh, you're supporting the channel. That's, that's what uh, that's just one more outlet you have to be able to support the channel. Um, So again, appreciate everybody who's jumped on to be a premium subscriber. No post game show this Saturday, of course, because there's no Iowa game, but stick right here because we'll have regular programming through the bye week through the weekend and into next week. The next time I will be live will be with, uh, I believe, unless we have a spontaneous show this weekend, which I don't expect. Next time I'll be live, we'll be with uh, the Voice of College Football, Mark Rogers, over at Iowa Football at the Voice of College Football on YouTube, 4.30 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday. Myself and Mark Rogers, as we are each and every week, and uh, plan on Hawkeye Hangout again next week. Appreciate everybody being here from the Hawkeye of the Storm as we approach the three-hour mark. Appreciate our sponsors, all of our premium members, all of our subscribers, and all those Hawkeye fans, all you Hawkeye fans out there that uh, continue to bite the bullet and uh, stay loyal to the black and gold. We'll talk to you soon.